What's going on guys and welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about red hot cards on the rise and also ice cold cards that are terrible and falling in today's meta. We're also going to release a little bit of steam and talk about our most hated cards in Marvel Snap and I'm curious if mine line up with yours. We're also talking Jean Grey, the iconic X-Men and everything you need to know about the new Control Queen. We're going to talk about all that today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. Happy July 10th. Happy New card acquisition week, Alex. We got ourselves the whole balance patch coming out tomorrow. How we doing, bud? I'm doing great, Cozy. This week has been absolutely phenomenal. I got to meet the literal goat. Look at this absolute boss in the middle of the screen here. Uh, I Literally a goat. I couldn't believe it. The friendliest goat I've ever talked to. This goat was one of the nicest goats I've ever had an opportunity to cuddle with converse with and quite frankly smelled horrible but was a great presence overall cozy i gotta tell you with everything that's going on right now i'm in marvel snap between the massive changes coming to the spotlight cash system it's an absolutely incredible time to be a marvel snap player dude where, why why were you with goats in july i don't know if the month matters but yeah yeah are you a petting zoo or, uh... Yeah, we took the kids to this really cool petting zoo and the petting zoo, basically the, the goats walk around, they eat your clothes and they poo everywhere. And then every once in a while, one of the goats will be like, and just kind of walk up to you and it's like, looks friendly. You pet it a little bit. I, you'll be surprised to hear this, Alex. I have not been to a petting zoo in like 30 years. What do they have outside of goats? So they had goats, they had chickens. The chickens were a hit with the kids because the kids could chase the chickens and the chickens would like run away and stuff and they make funny sounds. And then outside of that, there's horses. My my daughter got kicked by this like mini horse. What are they called? They're, I don't know, they're called something, a not pony? a pony. It's like, it's like a miniature horse. It's even smaller than a pony. Yeah. If you could pet any dangerous animal, what would you pet? If I could pet any or if I could have one? Because like, I really want an orca, not just because the card, I want an orca in my, in my living room. Kind of want a panda. Pandas are pretty cool, but it comes down like when it comes down like the best animals ever by far, it's penguins, man. Emperor penguins by far. No question. Penguins, the best animal ever. Yeah. Seriously. No question. What, what, what do you why, think though? it is? What do I think the best animal ever is? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would like to pet a hyena because I think that like petting a hyena is like the ultimate, like kind of like, yo, check this out. I'm That's the best of animal. The, or is that the most woods, pet right? animal? I haven't broken them down by like pet status. So no, like this is the most like most dangerous animal to pet, I think would be like a hyena because I feel like it would just attack your arm right away. Give me like an S tier animal and an F tier animal. So like for me, S tier animal, emperor penguin, F tier animal, like a giraffe. I, they kind of suck. You know what? I've, I've always been pretty low on elephants. They don't impress me all that much. Like what? I get they're huge. But like, I would get, I wouldn't say it's an F, but I would give it like a C. Like people are like, oh, it's an elephant. Yeah. I'm like, it's an elephant. Like, okay, it's a huge ass thingy that walks really slow with a massive trunk like i get that what's an s tier, s -tier. what's the s tier oh man that's hard to say i mean i kind of like squirrels you're giving an elephant a c and a squirrel an s squirrels are super cute man where's like i'm gonna say an animal you just off the top of your head give me a letter grade okay gorilla oh that's a that's a b for sure i'll be a silver back okay <laughs> Oh, silverback. Those are okay. Oh, sorry. I was that you needed an adjective for that the gorilla. An a. That's like, okay, he can punch through a tree. Yes. A rhino. Rhinos. C. Oh my God. It's something about the gray animals with you. I, I'd give rhinos like a solid, like B plus lions. Okay. Lions. Every time I see a lion, they're so lazy. They're just laying in the sun. They're so always like sleeping. D. Is that what? Yeah. A D. So squirrels are S. I'm like, I'm. I can't wait to know your top of the list here. Tigers? Yeah, tigers are basically lions, so D. Are you just being, are you just hot, man? You just hot taking here? You really hate all these animals? The zoo must suck. 
You really hate all these animals is what you just asked me? I mean, you have like B, C, D. You talked about a goat for 15 minutes and then you gave a tiger a D. Well, I mean, it's a tiger. I mean, obviously, they're, they're very pretty animals, but I don't, I don't see them as being that friendly. Hippo. Oh, hippos are A. Because like I've, I've watched a hippo. Look, I, hippos might be S. I'll tell you why. I saw a video of a hippo literally run into a river for the sole reason to simply attack a pride of lions solo. There was like five lions in the water trying to like cross a river and this hippo's like, nope, get the hell out of my water. It just charged at the king of the jungle. Crazy. Hippos apparently are insanely aggressive. I'm all for it. S tier. What about penguins? Where do you put penguins? Penguins are pretty cool. I like how they, they cuddle and they waddle and stuff. I'd give them a good A. Oh, good. Okay. I was about to end the podcast like right here. Okay. Fair enough. There you go. There's Alex's zoo tier list and most of mine, pretty much all those animals are up there. I think hippos kind of suck actually controversially. What? Okay. Yeah. That's the hottest dick. How, how, why do hippos suck? Just fat gray cows. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so Alex, we now have Phoenix Force. I know last time we talked, we were just kind of like spitballing on how we felt it was going to do. And even in that podcast, I think we were pretty hesitant. We were like, it's kind of a time we tell. We got excited about some interactions and I'm excited to talk about kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But like in a sentence, just thoughts on Phoenix Force? My primary thoughts on Phoenix Force have been that it feels kind of like cuttable. Like it almost feels like unnecessary in some of the lists. Like, do you know what I mean? I have felt like I'm like, I'm making a Phoenix Force list and like I force it. I force it in a way that it just does not have to be forced in. And I feel like I make a less straightforward deck than if I just cut it. Like if I had just cut, I'm like, oh, I have a better move deck. Or if I just cut, I'm like, oh, I have a better destroy deck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll go into it in more detail when we get to yours. But the ugly, I think one of them is it's a five cost. Like that cost, it's got to provide like so much value to be at that level. And so, yeah, I like it, but I also don't think it's going to be good in conquest at times. It just feels a bit awkward. You know what? I feel like this card is going to be the same path as Nimrod, right? Like Nimrod was just like Bleh, for a while. And then now like Nimrod's legit, right? But, and I feel like we might get more cards that complement it. But at the moment, yeah, I don't know. I, there's a couple decks. I have a few that I really like, but yeah, for the most part, it, it's just, it's not too hot. What is your opinion right now? Because did you feel like you went against a lot more bots in the ladder right now? Yes. I feel like I'm getting a lot of bots. Like way too many, yeah? Yeah, it's been crazy. And like, so I've been getting these weird swings in bot matches. Like I get bots that are so stupid. They just like stack like the left location for no reason, right? And then I get other ones that are like cheating so bad that like legitimately, I'm like, they're, they're going to beat me. Like I can't do anything. Like they are pulling cards out of the ether. Like per, like the deck makes no sense. Like they're hitting me with like perfect counters. And even my chat's like, what the hell is this bot doing? I've had like wild extremes of my bot experiences, but yeah, tons of bots. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, dude. I, I kind of feel like ladder's a mess at the moment. I just feel like it's a mess. I feel like it doesn't matter. I feel like infinite is way too easy at this point. And if you don't hit infinite, this isn't a dig at you. But overall, just like a consistent season after season basis, it just feels like it lost its merit a bit. Now you have conquest, which is just, in my opinion, way better of a mode. I know some people don't love it, but it is, in my opinion, much more fun to do conquest. I don't know. There's something going... They need to put in leaderboards. This bot situation is super weird. I don't want to start this podcast on like a negative note. I just like... I want to know because it feels like I'm just trying to get to infinite so I can go and record my conquest and start doing videos. Like, I, it just felt weird this season. 
I literally was just about to say exactly that. I just want to get to Infinite so I can play Conquest. And like, I'll be honest with you, for me, Conquest is where I want to spend most of my time. I know the, the ranked leaderboards, I think that's a great thing that's coming out. But like, for me, I, I'm probably not going to engage with it that much because like, I love Conquest that much. Like, I love Conquest. I love the style of gameplay. I love that rivalry setup with the matches. And yeah, it does. Ranked is in a weird spot. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad they kind of reduced the, the anxiety of having to get to Infinite a little bit because it gives me more chance to get into Conquest earlier and and play but you are right we are getting a lot more bots is it is it just because people are playing conquest have we split the player base or is there something matchmaking wise that's changed maybe they did that in preparation that they thought maybe conquest would be pulling a lot from the ladder and then it ended up kind of not because also like conquest now is uh, lower wait times all that i think regional matchmaking is going to solve a lot of this but they they, they got to figure out the whole bot thing is is my opinion and with that let's go into our first subject cards on the rise and cards on the fall now i feel like in conquest kind of combo heavy decks alex have a much better chance to stick out you almost get lucky if someone doesn't have i don't know an enchantress you could play more ongoing cards and that's what that that's going to be my first one on today's list alex i want to talk about my first riser in the month and that's because of echo and it's wong now, Echo's going to stop an ongoing card's ability when it's played. So, obviously, Cosmo, you know, obviously, Enchantress can still get through here, which we'll get to. But I have her as one of the biggest risers this month as well. Uh, Wong, man, I think has a chance to shine. I think he's already been kind of shining. What are your thoughts on Wong? I think you nailed it here. I think you nailed it with both Wong and Enchantress, actually. Like, they're two amazing choices because Wong's already been on the rise a little bit because... I've been seeing a lot of Wong play with, uh, you know, Black Panther, Zola combinations coming out again. I don't know why, but like people aren't putting Cosmo in their decks anymore. I feel like I'm the only one putting Cosmo in decks still, which I mean, wins me cubes. If you play Wong and someone snaps, you got to know what's coming next, right? But uh, I think that you're right, especially with Echo coming, which is still going to be a card that's not as achievable. Like it's not, and not everyone's going to have Echo. But if you do and you pull it from a spotlight cache or you use your tokens, and hell yeah, Wong's a massive riser. Well, you're already going to put, like, I feel like combo decks are already so focused on getting their combo off that you probably would put Echo into those decks in, in a way. Like, that's where she would fit. You know, and, and Enchantress, I mean, we're going to have our whole time talking about Jean Grey. But, I mean, we've seen this time and time again when a new card comes out and everybody's playing it. Like the Luke Cage with High Evo. Dude, Enchantress is going to be everywhere. This is going to be one of the only ways to shut down uh, Jean Grey. And so I, I think Enchantress is going to kind of come back on top, which is going to naturally make ongoing cards maybe go down a bit. Now, Alex, I want to hear your risers and fallers, but I thought it'd be interesting first. I'm going to just kind of spit them off to talk about the top 10 cards right now that are being played in Marvel Snap seen in matches and then we're going to also talk about the top 10 least played all right and i'm just going to spit them off i'll have a graphic on the screen for those that are watching now the top 10 most played cards are obviously number one is shang chi number two is america chavez three is dr doom surprisingly still has a 30-day report so that might tick off a little bit more wasp and hulk and high evo come back to back to back killmonger sunspot which used to be up the the highest spot right Wave, Kitty Pride, Nebula, and Storm. I don't even know if that was 10, probably more. So nothing too shocking there, you know, but we're not going to have any of those on our rising reports. Now in the least played top 10, or the least 10, I don't know what you would say there. The least played card in Snap, and it has been barely played, Alex. Like a thousand games, 1400 games compared to millions on the other side. Strong Guy is the lowest played card in the game right now, which I don't think is too much of a shock to us. Snowguard, Watu, 
Quake, then Hawkeye, Punisher. We're just like naming the cars that need to be brutally buffed. Rescue, which I thought was interesting. I think Rescue's kind of underplayed. Drax, Howard the Duck, Crossbones, Angel, and Baron. Any any outliers before we go to our Rise and Fallers? I was actually just going to say, I think Rescue is a bit of an outlier. I think that card's better than people give it credit for. I mean, there's so many things you can do with Prof X, but Rescue Prof X is one of the things you can do, and I'm kind of surprised people sleep on that a little bit. Um, Alex, I said Wong. We have Enchantress as a riser. Give me a couple more rising cards on your list in the month of July. I'm going to have to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of this one's rising, but it is rising. It's Spider-Man. You're seeing Spider-Man coming out in many more lockdown control lists. It's, a, it's one of the best ways to uh, counteract bounce. You're seeing some variations of Silver Surfer in the most recent uh, several days of the meta now using Spider-Man instead of Sarah, which I think is a pretty cool splash. Spider-Man's been a riser, honestly, and it's uh, it got changed from a four, uh, you know, four cost to a five cost, and people are like, oh, no, I don't know, and then Galactus got changed, but here we are. Spider-Man's still prevalent. Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I had Spider-Man on my list, but like he kind of, it's, it's funny that he has stayed relevant even being like a kind of a, another Professor X, if you will. Do you think Captain Marvel may get a little bit more play because of Jean Grey? Potentially? You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Like, I actually had that thought. Uh, she's on my buff list, but I don't know what to do. Because if you, what, if you make her a 5-7, right? You, what do you do to Vision? And then you have Phoenix Forest. Like, there's this weird, like, those three cards are tied to each other in some awkward way, yeah. right? And at the same time, like, Captain Marvel, you can't make Captain Marvel too strong. Because then you just, like, it's like a, literally, it's a, like, it just wins for you card. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with it. But, uh... I'm not sure because if, if Jean Grey comes out on turn three, you're playing Captain Marvel on turn four. I mean, if unless you're filling the location, you, you still have to deal with Jean Grey. And that's why I think Enchantress was such a great call on your part because like it is the natural on-curve counter to Jean Grey. A card that I have that I think might be the biggest riser, and it's so funny, man. If we were to talk about this a couple months ago, dude, Shadow King. It is crazy to see how many cards, even with uh, Phoenix Force, we have multiple man. We have human torch kind of all over the place as well. It's crazy to see how many cards now are getting this power abuse and that Shadow King is keeping Shuri, Kitty, Angela, Bishop. So many cards into check. I'm with you, Cozy. Shadow King's a definite riser, which I never thought I would say those words because on paper, this card has always been horrible. But now suddenly with all these effects, with Bounce having this like massive comeback, Shadow King's a legit playable card. Yeah. And we've, we've, we've like talked about this, I think even a couple weeks ago, we were saying like Shadow King's on the rise. He's, he's getting there, but now it's official. Like not only is he rising, he's arrived. He's here. He's definitely one that if you're struggling against certain decks to, to definitely give a shot. And now, Alex, do you have any other risers before we talk about the followers? I've got a couple more on my list. Yeah, I got two. I want to bring up. I, you're going to love this one. Three cost destroy card that I know is one of your favorites. It's Venom. I, I feel like Venom's been on the rise for sure. It's ability to keep power on the board. I think that Destroy Synergy is really increasing. And even Phoenix Forest, as much as like we're kind of not like, you know, that hot on it, does provide Venom with some opportunities and some interesting decks to like do make some stuff happen. I, I've been a huge fan of Venom lately, and uh, I don't think that's going to change. I think this card's amazing for Destroy. I mean, it's the fact that you can like get rid of, he's only three costs. You can get rid of something and just build on it and build on it. I just feel like, yeah, Phoenix Force is one of the reasons, but it's like that regenerative discard. This thing I've talked about in the past couple of weeks where you are destroying, so you're, you're, you're helping your deck. You're never just, you, Venom is not in your deck for no reason. So you're lowering death costs, whatever it might be, building up Noel, but you're keeping the power that was there. So you're like, there's no con to Venom. I mean, he really feels like the perfect card. 
Venom is definitely one as a riser for myself as well. And with that, and with Phoenix Force, and with some of these really destroy kind of going back up, it hasn't happened yet. But we had an era where armor was kind of everywhere, and I feel like we could come back to that. I feel like armor in the next month might be in a lot more decks because of where Destroy is at and looking ahead at some cards coming. People have like kind of come at me a couple times on like my meta reports saying like Destroy is I've not seen that much Destroy. I'm like guys, Destroy is everywhere. Like we're seeing a lot of Destroy and it's pretty good. It actually isn't, it doesn't have the win rate that like a bounce does at the highest end, but it's an extremely consistent list that like performs amazing. I think that armor should probably make a bit of a comeback. I, we had that heyday with like the armor ongoing destroyer style list. I think that was like peak armor and it's kind of come down since. Good call, Cozy. I like it. I, You know, it's funny. I feel like destroy the reason why it just has a, you just don't know. Did they get death? Are they about to drop like 50 power or nothing? Do they, are they bluffing? Like that's why I think deaths or uh, destroys win rate is kind of up and down because of that. So yeah, uh, armor, I can see a lot of and my last one that I'll talk about, I, I have several, but I guess, you know, uh, Nimrod I had with Venom, so you can kind of put those together. Alex, dude, Invisible Woman is just bonkers. She's she's a great two-cost card. That, it's so funny that a one-power buff, I mean, she's like the ultimate protection card, man. The ability for Invisible Woman to, like, absorb the Enchantress hits is huge for, like, Patriot lists and other lists. And just, I mean, even, like, something like a Wong now, right? Like, if you consider what, like, Wong can do if people aren't running Cosmo and, like, now you're getting these lists that are playing other things behind Invisible Woman that aren't just on reveal cards. They're not just, like, the Hella-style lists. I think that the power difference isn't as key as much as, like, people being willing to try it more often now. And then now realizing it's better than it's always been. It's kind of the Ghost Spider, Cloak, Heimdall thing, right? So when Invisible Woman used to go down, it was hella Cosmo deck. That was it. That was all you were seeing. And now that we're seeing Hitmonkey, Taskmaster, weird cards kind of hide behind her. It's opening up her use in combo decks, her use in these other kind of cheeky decks. And her use with ongoing cards. And then you bluff the opponent and you make them burn something, right? You know, time and time again, head game cards continue to be in one of my favorite in Snap. And I think it's for a given purpose. I think Snap is full of head games. And she kind of plays that part. Absolutely. And the last one I want to bring up before we move on to the next topic here is Magneto. And the reason why I bring up Magneto is because I, with the nerf to Doctor Doom, Magneto feels like the last pure beautiful six drop that can kind of go ev everywhere like if you just unlock magneto in your pool three free unlock list like it's a kind of card you can just be like you know what i have magneto i'm gonna throw him in there so going to falling cards ice cold cards i don't have near as many as i had maybe on my my hot and rising cards dr doom now he still played a lot i just listed him in one of the most popular cards but he's going down i can't tell you how many games recently that i did the math and I, w I lost because I only had four power to output into a flooded location. It's crazy. He just took such a net big hit in a lot of decks, man. It, he, he did. It's huge. I mean, it's funny. We, we said, oh, you know, he's a, he's a 615. It's one of the best stat lines in the game. And, you know, spreading the power doesn't matter. But I felt like spreading the power, power did matter. And now that you're spreading it with two less, 
Listen, that extra energy, we've all lost games by one. We've all tied games at eight cubes, right? Like, and I think it's significant. The nerf is huge, but it's still popular enough that it's not a surprise card yet either. So it's in this weird spot where it feels like you just lose with it. I don't yeah. know how else to put it. Yeah, he's not a bad card. He's just a falling card. You know, man, it's easy to fall when you're on the top, right? It was like the Patriots. You know, like once Tom Brady left, it's like, bam, it was a hard fall too, man. And Dr. Doom is, he's on a little bit of a hard fall. Yeah, faller for me has been uh, has been Luke Cage. I mean, it's uh, it's coming down. I think that uh, it's obviously being used less in the mirror match with uh, High Evolutionary, and I it's it's kind of sad to say, but I feel like a lot of decks still lose to High Evolutionary, even if they have the Luke Cage, which is a little frustrating to some degree. I think it still has a very natural fit in like Silver Surfer lists and other lists that have that like very kind of versatile two drop slot, but like in a discard list, you can't run it. Uh, you're obviously praying you don't get Spooderhammed as well. But at the end of the day, like I, I feel like Luke Cage has had a bit of a slide down and it's it's kind of interesting because I still think it's a good card. It feels like Rogue almost, like a gotcha card, like it, like I got this up my sleeve kind of thing. Yeah, it's weird. He He's like one of those cards that would be good in a 13 card deck, right? Like, not that he's the first one out. I just don't ever, when I build my deck out, I'm not like, ah, I'm missing a card. Let me throw Luke Cage in there. Like, I don't often give him that spot, right? Even though he can deserve it, he does have his use. But yeah, I, I, I can see that a lot more. He, he maybe didn't have as much of a fat. He, he definitely is in one of those top meta slots right now in those high Evo builds and anti high Evo builds. But yeah, I definitely see him as we continue to drift away and we might even get some nerfs coming up with high Evo. I, I, I would assume eventually, uh, yeah. unless they'd like where it's at, uh, that, that Luke Cage could be falling a, a little bit more here. What's your other one? My other one has to be goose. Honestly, goose just feels like it's coming down in value with the prevalence of bounce. You have a card that is designed to stop, you know, larger cards from entering in. And what does bounce do? Play no large cards and just basically create a massive amount of power into pretty much any lane they want. Uh, the idea of goose is to basically shut down a location and bounce don't care. It's pretty good against high evolutionary to some degree, which is nice, but uh, it definitely loses the bounce matchup, which is sad because I love goose. Yeah, I definitely don't fear goose as much. It almost feels like the Zabu days whenever Zabu had just crazy amounts of two and three costs and just like goose was just a wasted two drop that you had and then i think i know when we first started this topic we were both talking briefly about just iceman right iceman yeah. because of spider ham and just uh, not that again it's like the dr doom effect it's not a bad card but it's lost a little bit of its oomph. yeah and you think that even with like bounce being as popular as it is like iceman would have relevance and it still does ironically it works well in many bounce lists because you keep bouncing it back and then you get a little additional value there However, I will say that like it's the spider ham revealing the hand effect that like I'm like, do you I don't want to say this out loud and I know it's another topic, but like, do you buff Iceman so it shows the card? Like, is that the scariest thing I've ever said? No, on this, you uh, got to hurt the other way around. You got to kill the spider ham, man. I think so. At least I don't know. It, I, do you create two evils or do you get rid of one? I know. It's hard. It's a hard question, but it's it's weird. That's what's with the situation we're in right now, aren't we? We're going to our next subject, and this is one. Listen, okay, you know how many comments you see? It's like Alex and Cozy. They're too positive. They're too happy all the time. Well, today's the day we finally get to let it out a little bit. All right, we're gonna be talking about our most hated cards in Marvel Snap. I don't care if you like playing this card. These are cards that you do not like going up against. You see it revealed. You fear the most. 
You just were letting it out there. You know, if you're listening to the podcast, just shout it to the ether. If you're watching, comment it down below your list. Most hated cards, Alex. We're going to go from 10 to number one in order. Hit me with it. And we don't know each other's list. So I'm actually pretty excited about this. Okay. For me, number 10 is Rock Slide because I drive, I draw the rock every damn time. When they draw, when they play Rock Slide, I'm like, well, here we go. I'm getting that rock. They're going to hit me with a, uh, you know, Dark Hawk. They're going to hit me with that Mystique. They're going to have their perfect draw. They probably already played Korg. Uh, every time I see Rock Slide, I'm like, these friggin' rocks every single time. And sure enough, it's Rock. I'm like, oh, turn six. I got to draw something, Rock. So it's not Korg. It's just Rock Slide. Uh, Korg pisses me off too, but Rock Slide, it's double the rock. It's double the piss off. So like Korg's like you, you like you stub your toe, but Rock Slide's like what you fall over. I don't even know the equivalent. Korg, you stub your toe. Rock Slide, you break your ankle. Yeah, you shatter your ankle tripping on like a toy, like a Lego piece. Okay, all right, all right. Let it out, let it out. My number 10 might be a little surprising, and it's a card that I don't mind playing, but it's one when I see it, I'm just frustrated. Like, immediately, I'm like, damn it, here we go again. It's Dracula. I When I see Dracula played, it's like, and it's always on the location where I'm like, all right, I'm going to buckle down and invest in this location. And then this comes out, and I question my entire tactic. I question everything. I really even, I question if I even should make, make content anymore. Dracula pisses me off. And it's, it, it's not even so much the discard Dracula, because I can kind of telegraph that. It's when one is just out. It just comes out of nowhere. And it's, this is, it's only number 10. So I'm not too steamed up. But yeah, it, you know, I hate this card. I feel it. I mean, 60% of the time, it's a 420 every time, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that's exactly how Dracula works. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, if it, I think what's what's helping is like how much we actually love Dracula at the same time. It kind of like counteracts a little bit because I feel that rage. I understand. I hear where you're coming from. My number nine, I think, is going to be a little more universally hated, but I love playing it. So again, this is one of those things like I, this is a card I play a lot, but when it gets played against me, I'm like, how dare you? It's Sandman. Sandman has to be, and listen, yeah. it, I got nerfed. It, used, it would have been way higher in the list prior, but Sandman has to be one of the most hated cards in Snap. Like, it comes down. Everyone's like, okay, dude, way to break the game. Way to ruin fun for everybody. You hate fun. Congratulations. And Sandman's nine for me. Dude, I don't know how I don't have Sandman on my list, and I can't believe it. I don't want you to spoil yours if I say one of yours. We're going to talk about this the next subject, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drop this now so everybody can kind of fester on it before our next subject. Jean Grey. Sandman. Worst combo of all time. That might be a new hatred with the Sandman card on a ramp deck. All right, next card for me, number nine, is another one that, you know, I don't see it all that often. Usually means Galactus. Hobgoblin. I, Hobgoblin is just, I don't mind the Hobgoblin in some rando lane. It's it's the Hobgoblin where I decide back and forth, Alex, like, I'm going to go to left or right. I'm like, I'll go left. It's red. It's ticking red. Then I go to right. And then he plays the Hobgoblin on the left, fills up the location, auto-lose, give up, good day, sir, do not collect 200 Pasco, the whole the whole nine yards. I mean, it's, I think it's designed to be annoying, one might say, <laughs> but also it's annoying because it means Galactus is probably coming too. <laughs> yeah, and then I play Hobgoblin because I'm like, all right, I lost to it last game, and they have like an Odin, and I'm just like, oh, okay, it's time to, it's, it's, it's time to be done for the day. Hit me with number eight. Uh, for me, I know you hate this card too, it's Doc Ock. 
Doc Ock comes down to number eight for me because I hate playing it because every time I play it, they drop down like every single high value card in existence. And when it gets played to me, it just completely ruins my game and uh, I have to like just walk away. <laughs> it sucks. Doc Ock is so annoying because I feel like I never get the, the good pull and I always get destroyed when they play it against me. And it's making a bit of a resurgence too. You're seeing a little more Doc Ock now in non-Galactus lists, which I'm kind of excited about. We saw it in some couple tournaments and stuff like that. So that's cool. I like that because it, it is a cool card. I just hate it. I'm sorry. I'm going to reserve my comments for now. For now. Doc Ock. That's I'm, tr I'm trying to keep it together. All right, my number eight, and I think people might be surprised it's not higher, and it's one that I know I should be putting in my decks. I don't as much. Effing Scorpion, man. Every time I'm playing an Iron Man deck or just, I, it doesn't really matter. There's never a good time Scorpion comes out and I'm like, oh good, it was only Scorpion on two, right? Dude, are you ever happy with this? No, Scorpion feels awful. It, it is a hated card and, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I think I'm going to talk about it more a little uh, soon, but uh, it, it is a hated card. But for me, like one of the mitigating factors, I play a lot of Surfer. I still slide Luke Cage into it, so sometimes it doesn't feel as bad. But yeah, Scorpion, like, oh, it's such an irritating card. No, I freaking hate this card. Yeah, dude, it just, I hate it to death. It's a terrible, terrible. And I'm just going to go back to back, man. Iceman is my freaking seven. Yes, I think both of these are going to be higher on most people's list. Maybe it's because I play them and it does that counterweight thing. Screw these cards. Screw them. We've talked about it. We've vented enough about it. I think we've had a segment six months ago about it. This is always hitting the cards every time. Every single time. And then like Icebox comes up as well. And then oh, it yeah, just every time. every time. And then maybe nowadays you have a Sarah and a six cost. Then Iceman comes, hits Sarah. The pig comes out, hits Sarah. Your Sarah's out of play. It's, it's all bad, dude. Yeah, literally it's on reveal. Hit your five cost. <laughs> every time. <laughs> It's just so bad. It's like on reveal, hit magic or Sarah. Like, yeah. That's literally exactly what Iceman does. Yeah, it's it's an annoying card. And one might say that I'm going to talk about it soon because my number seven is Spider-Man. I listen, Spider-Man's so annoying. It's it, okay. It's it used to be higher when it was like the heyday of Galactus. It's like, oh, they're going to Spider-Man like e every single time. Right now with the location lock uh, lockdown being what it is, it's like you worry about Professor X. You worry about Spider-Man like it's just Spider-Man's up there for me and every time it comes down I'm just like oh, F you because I'm not playing Doctor Doctor Doom anymore because Doctor Doom kind of feels bad now and that's the only way I could have accessed that lane I just feel upset and here's your cubes it's funny now that Galactus has been calmed down I actually don't hate Spider-Man much anymore but he definitely is I mean first of all did they give him the worst voice line of all time I like I cannot stay it was like hey I, mean, I don't even know what the hell he says something about neighbors something I I, I hate him I I that's the worst part about Spider-Man. But other than that, I, it, he he doesn't bother me as much anymore. But I think what's annoying about him is that he's not like Pro-X where you can kind of see him coming. I feel like he's in decks where you don't see him coming. Uh, that's a good thing, though. I like I like that, but I feel like I see him coming and I know he's coming. I'm like, God damn it, they're going to Spider-Man. I'm, I'm getting already upset about it. And then the Spider-Man drops and I got to buy a new monitor because I have my fist through it. Are we at number six now? We're at number six, and uh, I can go. I got a card that, honestly, I have such a love-hate relationship with it. I love it. I love the Archer variant, which I know you have. It's Scarlet Witch. It's Scarlet Witch because I don't want to hate it, Cozy. I just don't want to hate it. I respect what the card does from a lore perspective. I think it's one of the best design cards in Marvel Snap. But, like, why? Why do the RNG gods have to curse me every damn time? I can't play this card because... 
like you literally have to play her last in like a turn of, a, of events because you know like she's gonna bring up death domain or you you know she's gonna bring up bar with no name like i get crushed with scarlet witch all the time it's mind-boggling it's so fun uh, this is why i can't wait to hear our viewers list because i feel like by the way i'm sick guys that's why my voice is complete garbage i feel like everyone's like i would never put scarlet witch on my top 10 but like for you you have i mean like you have like doc ock you know less on the hate alex list of scarlet witch so like i know that means that you've had some complete garbage situations with this card yeah you know it, cozy it's a total disaster sometimes but you know what that's what makes playing the card fun also stressful and i get at the end of the day marvel snap is a game of emotions we like to pretend it's not but tell me that this game does not get you emotional sometimes. <laughs> oh, for sure. Every list is going to be different. My number six is a card that's one of my most favorite, probably on my top 10 most favorite cards in the game. But hey, because of that, it's also one of my most hated in the game. It's Daredevil. I feel like they have laid eggs in my brain when Daredevil comes out. Like it's over. They know exactly what I'm about to do, what I'm capable of. And I'm not going to get the cubes I wanted. I'm not going to get the big pop off. Daredevil could be higher on this list. I think I did a gift to put him at number six. It actually surprises me to hear you throw shade at Daredevil because I know how much you love Daredevil. But you're right. Like when they have Daredevil on the board, I mean, that's the one thing about Conquest. Daredevil feels less all in with the snaps because like, you know what their deck's like, you know what they have available to them. But at the same time, like a Daredevil in a Conquest deck gives you so many additional opportunities to just snake cubes out of your opponent. So I can see why it's annoying, like when they have Daredevil and you don't. But I guess the uh, the remedy for that, Cozy, is to just add Daredevil to your deck. But then he does nothing. It's true. What is your number? Did I? Are we on five, six? Yeah, my number five is going to be Scorpion. Actually, that's where Scorpion ended up on my list, and uh, for all the reasons we talked about before, like it's just so frustrating to have played against you. You know, the meta relevance of Luke Cage is starting to dwindle, so you didn't have the natural like, huh? I had Luke Cage anyway, bro, and. Now it's just Scorpion comes out and you feel really sad, Cozy. Number five for me is a newcomer. Somewhat newcomer. And never would I have thought he was going to be on this list. But because of just lockdown decks, the new Cyclops is 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 an absolute cancer in Marvels. I, I cannot... This guy is always... I would rather Juggernaut. Just don't even have my cards in the Storm Lane than this guy that is always just going to beam him down. I can't stand him. I can't believe this. We went from begging, literally begging for Cyclops to get some respect. Cyclops gets respect. And here you are just you, knocking you like him, him down a peg. No, I don't like him. He's annoying as hell. It was a zap zap. And I'm like, I lose now. And then like, of course, because I cut Luke Cage like everyone else is doing. So then it's like, yeah, yeah. Cyclops is annoying. But come on. He's one of the best move cards in Marvel Snap. And now he gets the opportunity to actually contribute to a location and make the Incredible Hulk a 12, a 620. So, yeah, I like Cyclops. I feel like that such as Marvel Snap. Like, we want this card. Everybody wants High Evo. High Evo looks so fun. And then we hate him immediately, right? Like, because he's too good. Uh, yeah, Cyclops, he just, he hits one of my annoy buttons. Don't know why. Maybe it's because he is everywhere at the moment. Like, Wasp, I, I don't mind. Hulk, really don't have a big problem with it at the moment, to be honest. It's Cyclops. He's the one in the High Evo deck I can't stand. But number four for me is Iceman. That's where Iceman lands on my list at number four. For all the reasons why we talked prior, I mean, it literally is the card that disrupts so many combos for yourself and never for your opponent. I feel like I never see them play their Iceman card. Maybe it's because I hit their Sarah or something, honestly. But uh, yeah, for me, Iceman comes in at number four. Cozy, what's your four? Listen, it was game five, match five. All the cubes on the line. Eight cubes on the line. And this one instance not only had me create this entire subject, 
But also, put this card at number four. And I don't even know why. I think it's when I see it, right? I, I'm thinking about when I actually see it. Not just looking at all the cards. Which ones do I hate? My friend, when Rogue does come out, when this card does come out, it's over. It's over for me and my, and my greedy ass ongoing decks. And they take a null and they win the game for me. Rogue is just the card you never see. And when you see it, it does exactly why you hate it. You know, funny enough, I have Cyclops and Rogue. I got a lot of X-Men hate on here. It's only because I lost an entire Infinity. But I, I, I've I, never seen Rogue and be like, thank God it's only Rogue. This, of all the, the cards we've talked about thus far, this has been the card for me that has sounded most like emotional damage on you. Like this, this like Rogue did something to you recently. This, this is your Scarlet Witch. Yeah, 100%. Like you clearly have some very fresh scars with Rogue. And Melissa, I, I respect it. I, under, I understand the emotion, but I've been putting Rogue in my Silver Surfer decks and absolutely clapping noobs with it. So I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm loving Rogue right now and maybe for all the reasons why you're hating it. But those noobs, yeah, those noobs would put it on this list. But hey, you can you can love a card, but also obviously just completely hate it. What do you have at number three? I don't want to hate a card I love, but I love Spider-Ham. But like, seriously, this card might be a problem. Like it's number three. Might. It could have been higher. Uh, yeah, it could have been higher. Like I, it started, my list started with it at number one. And then eventually it drifted downward slightly to number three because I still love playing it. But this card specifically in Conquest is so problematic. It is basically Leech is what it is. It's Leech, except now you have like the bounce, you're bouncing, you're Leech. Oh my Spider-Ham is infuriating. Number three. And again, I try to go off of emotion. I try to go off of how I feel when I go against whatever card this might be. For me personally... I cannot stand this card. Probably I can stand it a bit more than others. Shang-Chi. I have Shang-Chi at number three. I, this used to be a lot higher. But now that Shang-Chi is everywhere, and you know, I just fully have the anticipation that he's coming. Like, even, even so, it's like I'm scarred. I see Monster Island. I'm like, okay, he's dead. Like, that monster's going to die. I, I hate him, but I don't hate him as much as others. I understand what you're saying. Like Shang-Chi though, okay, does it not feel like the most necessary evil in Marvel Snap though? I'm so proud of you saying this because I think this was on your most hated at some point. It was, but it was also on my, it was my number one card on our top 10 best cards in Marvel Snap list. So like talk about the double-edged sort of the uh, respect, right? So it's like, it's crazy because like this card has to exist. Like if it didn't exist, Marvel Snap would be horrible to play. But at the same time, it's so annoying that it exists, but because it also has to be in so many decks. Like when you're designing a deck, it that's the one thing about Shang Chi. The one negative thing I want to say that kind of frustrates frustrates me about him. I feel like if I don't have him in a deck, I'm not deck building right. Like I feel like he has to be one of the 12 90 percent of the time because of how important it is to the meta. Or you'll have like Zabu the deck, and then you're like, well, I mean, he's a four cost, but I, I should put Shang Chi. Should I put Enchantress? Yeah, Ben Broad's most hated card is Shang Chi, and I bet you the viewers it, it's going to be Shang Chi for most of them as well. Uh, yeah, so that's my number three. Number two. Number two for me is going to be Galactus. This is where Galactus comes in here. I know it got changed, but for me, it's, I still just, I just, I just hate it. I just don't like it. I don't like, like the new way it's been adjusted. Like I get it, but at the same time, oh, it's Hobgoblin. Okay. Here comes Galactus. It's like, it still has this very, like, I want it to be a surprise card and it's not a surprise card yet. I know I'm getting Galactus. And when I get Galactus and I don't expect it, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the fist bump. Cause I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I will lose eight cubes to a Galactus player. But if I don't know it's a Galactus player and you hit me with that Galactus, you earn those cubes and I'm happy. That was a good Marvel snap experience for me. I don't care how many cubes I lost. I don't care if it's an infinite run. I, I just doesn't matter, but it's, 
I'm not losing those games. I, every time I'm like, here comes Galactus, and sure enough, it's Galactus, and it's uh, it's, it's, it's just it's just it feels too samey still. Galactus is not on my list, but when I look at my list, I feel like a lot of these are based off of cards that I hate because of all the Galactus scars. So, like, great example is going to be one of my next two, but also, I mean, if you just look at like Electro, he's not on my list, but I see that little zap and I'm like, that SOB. Like, I, I, I don't even want to know what I'm dealing with at the moment. It's like the Yondu effect. It's the same deal. It, it, it's always getting rid of a card. Yondu should be on my list. He's not. Galactus is not on mine. I get the hate. Don't mind him anymore. He's he maybe on my top 20 or something, but I, I don't mind him. I got Spider-Ham here at number two. Easily could have put this at number one. They just have to get rid of the 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 intel to, to make it a little bit better. But it's also like popularity effect at the moment. I feel like I'm like a 90-year-old chain smoker right now. I feel like it's the popularity of the card at the moment. It's everywhere. You're getting smacked by the hammer. If I go into a conquest and they've got the pig, I'm like, it's going to be a long 10 minutes. Dude, is it just because it's too common right now? What is it about the damn pig? I think the damn pig is problematic because of how impactful it can be in any game. And it can be repeatedly impactful with like the popularity of bounce. They're bouncing it back. They're using it again. You play it on turn one. You hit like, you know, a, you hit like a five cost and you bounce it back. You Then you hit a six cost in the next turn or two. It's just, it's just a complete nuisance. And it doesn't feel that great to play, but it feels horrible to have played against you, right? It can still feel good to play, but I'm just, oh, look, I hit there. I actually hit a Giganto the other night. I'm like, I can't believe this. And then uh, Daily Bugle came out and gave me the Giganto. And I was like, oh, justice. That's got to say. But yeah, it's it's funny that you identify this card as being problematic because it definitely is. It's going to be near the top for most people. And it, I'm one thing that has to be said, I'm kind of really glad they put it into Series 4. Because if it was Series 5, and the people that spent those 6,000 tokens were really like putting this really annoying card on people, I think it would be even more frustrating. But the fact that they made it just ever so slightly more accessible gives it an opportunity to be like, hey, listen, it was Series 4, more people can buy it. So it's it's a little more common, because if it was Series 5, I think it, it would have felt more pay to win. I don't want to even say that word. I don't want to say the word. But if it was Series 5, I think it would have been a huge misfire. So I think they nailed it in Series 4. But this card is extremely irritating. At least paid to annoy. Yeah, I... Yeah. It, it's also because of how damn, like, cute it is. It's got the hammer. Like, Iceman, at least he's, like, pissed off. He's throwing ice in my face. I'm just like, damn this, damn this pig. Number one for me, Alex. I was almost shocked that it was so low on your list. This is my easy, most hated card. And I don't mind playing it, but I don't at the moment, because of the hatred in my heart, Dr. Octopus is far and away, far and away, my most hated card. And it's for a lot of the reasons you listed earlier. It's always the Doc Ock that I don't expect. It's, and, and it's mostly the non-Galactus Doc Ocks. I think there's some pent-up anger from the Galactus days, but damn it, this card, man... And it, I think it is, too. I'm such a combo guy. I'm such a, like, I love pulling off these cheeky eight cube wins. I saved up everything perfectly. Maybe I skipped turn four because I'm going to save it for right. Doc Ock screws everything up. And then, I, you know, you, you look, you have that moment of despair and hope where you look at your cards and you, you're like, just don't pull. And before you can even think of the word pull, it's out there and it's gone. It's over. Or the order is over. And you play like Devil Dinosaur, Enchantress. It's never Enchantress, Devil Dinosaur. It's always there to kill you. 
Doc Ock, man, they built them perfect because the hate is real. Listen, this has been a card that like, oh man, you've been angry about for a long time. Like we, this came out last month. We were talking about the problems with, with Galactus. You're like, it's not Galactus. It's Dr. Octopus. It you were like so upset about it. And then uh, it's funny because you're right. It's never like Devil Dinosaur Mystique. It's always like Mystique, Devil Dinosaur. And then like, you know, and, and Enchantress, of course, right? Why you'd run all those three cards in your deck is another question, but... Listen, I understand the hate behind Dr. Octopus. And uh, it's funny because actually going back to another callback on our, a recent podcast, I remember talking about why you hated Jeff the Shark. And I remember saying is because you love very combo centric lists that like really come together to truly punish people for four and eight cubes. And Dr. Octopus is like completely counter to that because it takes all your combo pieces and says F all of them. They're coming right now in whatever the hell order I want. So for the exact same reason why you cut Jeff the shark. Cause you know what? If doc Ock pulled Jeff the shark, would you be sad? No, you wouldn't. No, here's the thing though. And then I, I finally buckled down, right? And it's not even like Galactus and I get a, no, I buckled down and I put this damn card in my deck and then I pull and it's like infinite giganto that nobody puts in their list. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Just Shang Chi kills. Right? Yeah, exactly. It always hundred percent of the time. Every time. Yeah, that's hilarious. I listen. I understand the hate. I hate it too, but uh, just not quite as much, but my number one card cozy, and I, you know what? It's it's for a very specific reason. It's high evolutionary. I know this is going to be a very hot, controversial take, but high evolutionary number is my number one hated card right now. And uh, it's not because it's not good. It's not even because it's too overpowered. But I'll tell you why I don't like it. I love deck crafting. I love deck crafting so much. I think Marvel Snap is at its best when people are crafting decks, being creative, and and just flexing those creative muscles behind the collection screen and i feel like every time i go against the high evolutionary player i know exactly what's in the 12 card deck there's almost no variation the game feels monotonous it's remarkably consistent in something like conquest i don't know it's just feel every time i cue into someone who's playing high evolutionary i'm just like oh all right dude you really want these cubes that bad just take them just take them from me i don't care i don't care anymore i've i, I like i oh i like the thought of retreating crosses my mind Turn one, just like okay. There's there's your uh, there's your misty night retreat. You just have the cubes, man. And not that I can't win, I just don't want to play the game against the high evolutionary player anymore. I I just I I'm I'm actually angry. I don't know how to explain it. Like I, I almost want if you're playing high evolutionary now, like I don't blame you. It's a great card. It performs well. It's gonna get you infinite. It's gonna get you infinity wins and conquest. It's gonna do the job. But like, come on, man. Come on, if you're an infinite already, well, what the hell are you doing? Craft some interesting decks. You know, it's. I feel like he's so divisive, dude, because like I, I know Molt shares the hate for this card. Molt freaking hates this card. I, I, I love you, Molt. If you're listening, I get like a 10 paragraph essay on how much he hates High Evo. I think Dexter doesn't mind it too much. I'm on the don't mind it train, dude, because for me, I'm like, and maybe it's because I'm playing the cards that counter Hulk. I'm like, all right, goodbye, good sir. Like, I'm going to get an easy clap win. Like, I, I don't mind it. I don't think the consistency is all the way there, but I get your points and, and I understand the majority's points. I would feel like I'm probably out of the majority of how much I don't like. I feel like if they adjust this card, I hope it's not the Hulk uh, because I love what they've done there. But dude, I had Cyclops on my list, so I the, the hate does reside in me. It's just maybe one card specifically, maybe the Wa. I don't know, but definitely Wasp, Cyclops. Those are kind of my my cards in there. I hate. And yeah, it's my damn fault for not running the Luke Cage. But I, I, I hear you. Did you feel good getting this out? It, it felt good. It felt good. I, I wanted to say that. And at the same time, let me also say, like, if you're playing High Evolutionary, there, there's nothing wrong with that. You spent 6K tokens on it. It's a damn good card. It's going to do what you want it to do. 
it's just, I get concerned. Like, I don't want us to be slaves to the meta, you know? Like, I want us, I really do want us to, like, deck craft. Like, we, we talked about it before. The, the game was at its best, absolute best, when, you know, you, you're crafting things on the fly, you're unlocking new cards, and that's what the spotlight cash system's gonna do, by the way. Like, isn't, I'm so glad we're coming back to this. I'm so glad this cash, new cash system's coming out, because I hope it encourages people to take more chances with deck building. I just really hope it does. Because when you're playing high Evo nonstop, I think you're sucking the fun out of the game for yourself. Like when it's when it's like a 20 something percent play rate in the meta, like that's it's it's too much. Not because it's too good, but it's, it's just I mean, I, I can only imagine when playing high evolutionary against high evolutionaries like I, I, Cozy, be honest, like us as content creators, we can't play high Evo. Like no one wants to watch us play high evolutionary. No, I feel I think it was last week we we went on that like tangent of like we can't you know, but honestly too, he also just feels like the meta deck of today. Right. So like that's yeah. why he's kind of there like, compared to the other ones. Listen, it felt great getting this out. I feel a little bit better inside. I still absolutely hold on, let me uh reach over here and just say I still absolutely hate Doc Ock. But other than that, I think he's great. And lastly, Alex, we have our Gene Gray discussion, the card that's coming out later tonight. And my friend, if, if people hated the cards we just talked about, I think this is one that could definitely make the list. Jean Gray, as iconic as she is, I think she is going to be an absolute uh, nightmare, but also really fun and unique card. If you don't know, Jean Gray is a 3-3 and she has an ongoing effect that both players must play their first card each turn if possible. Now, we talked about her last week. We're going to keep it more short and sweet. But I think this card immediately enters not, we don't have to say the meta, but also the meta. Like, she's going to be everywhere, I think. It's, it's very interesting that you say that because although it's going to be a relatively expensive card, Series 5, it's going to be accessible through the spotlight caches. So more people can have more of a chance to get it, which is exactly what that system is designed to do. So it's going to be in the hands of more people. And this effect is insane. It's actually one of the most one of the most restrictive and high impact effects that have been released in some time. Because if not, like, is this one of the hardest hitting cards in the last couple months? I, I think so. It does. It feels like that because like I think Kang was like, oh, here we go. Or Negasonic. This one, you don't even have to theory crap. Like, you already know it's going to be a little wild. And outside of the Wasp and the movable cards, I don't know. Do And if there's... Uh, okay, so let's just talk about how it's going to work, right? So when you play Jean Grey down, they have to have the ability to play a card. So you can't play this on Sanctum and then play Scarlet Witch and then it changes or whatever. Sorry, you play this down. Scarlet Witch changes it to Sanctum. Doesn't work like that, right? You have to have the ability to play cards there. Now, if they play a Jean Grey and you have a Jean Grey, you'll have your choice on which location that you'll want to play on, which I also think is kind of interesting. But other than that, you will be forced to play this card, which I do not think this is a turn three card. I think this is a possible, well, Silver Surfer decks, we'll get to that. This is going to slap in there. But this is kind of like a turn five with a two cost with it. it it's going to be... Oh, man, it's going to be nuts. I think you hit it right perfect when you said that it's a turn five play. I think that the ability to play it on turn three is still interesting. There's still some viable uh, synergy there. But forcing your opponent into a specific lane on turn six is insane. And 
I think that, like, honestly, it makes Jean Grey one of the most powerful control cards in the game because it's relatively inexpensive. With something like a Silver Surfer list, you can combo it with a two-drop or something else. Like, you could actually play Jean Grey and, I mean, I would say Goose, but why would you even need to do that? But now they basically have two locations that are inaccessible, right? But ultimately, like, Jean Grey's ability to completely dictate where your opponent has to play is insane. And if you play it into a location where, like, they might already be winning... It's crazy. Slow moving decks, Arnim Zola trying to do that. Now you have to force them to play into that location. Those greedy decks. Uh, dude, she's perfectly on curve for control. There, this is, uh, man, Spider-Ham, we're like, I think this is going to be pretty good. It was damn good. This is one of those cards, like, I have no hesitation saying that this is going to be a great card. It's going to piss people off. But this damn thing, the amount of, like, dude, let's just go to some cards right now, okay? We got to start with... I think it was your number two most hated. It's almost like I'm curious to see what would have happened after this whole nerf thing. Galactus Dex, this is a huge shutdown, an absolute colossal shutdown to Galactus Dex. But then you also just have so many other ways to shut down decks that are looking to get stuff done. Now, you have ways to build your deck with Jean Grey and this control card that it's going to naturally go in. Kind of, you remember that flooding deck that was out there for a while with Nebula? It was like the, the Storm, the Magneto, the, uh, the Gamora was in there. I feel like that's going to kind of come back on top. And you're going to have this Gamora deck, all these cards that capitalize off of what Jean Grey is pulling. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we even talked about Shadow King at some point. Like, if you're forcing your opponent to a specific location, Suddenly, I'm again the Silver Surfer mind going. Shadow King has value because all of the buffs that they're generating in that one location has a very reliable hit with that Shadow King. Like Negasonic, think about what Negasonic does with yep. Jean Grey. Like if you play if you play Jean Grey and you you maintain initiative, you play Negasonic into that location and you just trade whatever they play less. Not not just that, but maybe you play a card like a Drax and then on turn five you play Negasonic and they're playing their arrow or whatever it is, their high impact turn five play and it just booms, right? Like I think that Negasonic gets a huge buff from this card as well. Like it's just, it doesn't, it's not like a simple card. Like this card has ramifications across the meta. Yeah, there's, there's naturally cards that you want to play into Jean Grey and then the ones that counter it. So obviously, like the biggest counters at the top of my head, if you aren't getting this card or it's going to be everywhere. Obviously, we already talked about it. I'll go to it first. Enchantress will be your number one counter. You see Jean Grey, you play this, it's done. Now, to be fair, they kind of made you play this Enchantress and maybe they have Devil Dinosaur or something else up their sleeve. They make you burn this card. I think that's going to be very interesting. But also in the same vein... Jeff the Shark, this is what I love about him. I think we have confirmation. Jeff doesn't give a damn. So you can play Jeff on, let's say Jean Grey's on the right location. Jeff goes on the left. You could play your other card at another location. So Jeff kind of has this, Jeff goes where he wants to and he counts where he wants to, which I think is very interesting. Zero cost, obviously. Uh, these cards that are going to counter, Kitty Pride, another great example. Uh, just a non-committal card that you can throw in there. Wasp. These are the ones that I naturally see working with Jean Grey. Even, you know, what you said, you had Brood on your list, Mr. Sinister. These kind of quick filling cards as well. Thanos, I think is going to be good because you can just jam it with your stones and then worry about it later. Dude, I, either way, Jean Grey is getting what she wants done and that's forcing your hand to do something that you didn't want to do in the first place. Dude, I, it's just wild. Now, comments might say, well, what if, what if you play Goose into Jean Grey? If your opponent cannot play a card there, they don't have to. So that you got to remember that. You can't like double down and just like lock your opponent out, right? So it's important to remember that there's control aspects, but you know, don't get crazy with it. Dude, what about Mojo? 
I, I think Mojo might be a, a decent card, right? Cards that, like, you want there to be clogged. Like, Mojo is almost a card you can play earlier than usual. Because they have to play in this lane, too. That's what I love about it. It's not just you. They're going to have to. And now you're getting a 2-8. One thing I really like about Jean Grey, though, is that it has a very similar interaction to the Raft. And let me explain. This is something that was kind of, like, going through my mind. So the Raft, one of the major risks of the Raft, which is the location that when you fill it up, you get a free 6 cost, is that if you overcommit to it early, you're likely to have not enough power to compete with that lane like if you fill it with garbage just to basically drop one drops in it to get to get your free six drop that location itself is now full and it might be very easy for your opponent to counteract it so like something i want to just kind of bear mention of is the idea of like being forced to fill a location early might actually be disadvantageous because if you're not careful with it you might underpower the location just to get out of it and basically just give it up as well yeah, and I'm wondering, and we don't know the interaction here, but I, I'm just, I'm curious for like Storm, if you play Storm, does it shut down that location? Because technically no one can play there, right? So that is interesting what you said on the raft. That's where like uh, Silver Surfer, Kazar, those kind of cards are going to do good. It, isn't it cool if, if Storm, Negasonic, we have X-Men, X-Men, Hell, Cyclops, and High Evo, you know, have the guaranteed lane where they're going to have, you, you get the double negative push-offs like immediately. It, there's some X-Men synergy. Uh, but that's a good point there, uh, as far as like the RAF comparison. Uh, it, Guardians of the Galaxy, naturally, obviously, are going to go pretty well with it. Movable cards, we've seen that. Nightcrawler, Jeff, uh, Hellvision, maybe even Phoenix Force. I want to say like move is decent, but here's the thing. The person that has Jean Grey, if, they're, if they identify you're playing a move deck, you just play Jean Grey left side. Like, that, yeah. That's like debilitating. It would completely crush moveless from that perspective because like you can't Doctor Strange. I mean, you, you can Heimdall, but what are you going to do with Heimdall on the left side, right? But imagine having an opportunity to play Jean Grey into Ebony Maw on your own side <laughs> and then shutting yourself out of the location yourself, right? But you, you just can't do this. Probably why it's a three cost. But I, I do think that this card has like some amazing synergies. And like, again, I just want to go back to, I do think that Jean Grey into Negasonic and eventually like a Null or something like that could be absolutely huge depending on what you destroy. Like, I think this card is going to have value in even destroy baseless. It might be difficult to get out of those, but that's where like the Jeff the Sharks and even a Vision, for instance, and, and as we mentioned prior, something like a Captain Marvel could come in handy uh, because you can uh, move out of those locations while actually generating value for your deck elsewhere. But like, yeah, it's it's a truly fascinating card. It's going to be one of those ones that as we get more experience playing with, we're going to start to really see its power. But I mean, Control is getting another absolutely massive tool. And I'm excited that it's a tool that's relatively inexpensive, by the way, because we, we have five costs locked down with Professor X, Spider-Man, and now we have something in the mid to early game that completely changes the way in which the game is played. You know what else it does, dude, is like, these are always good value plays, but like, Sarah Control Bounce gonna continue to be good. Bounce is actually gonna be fantastic, right? Because you just play your free Iceman in there, and then you could do whatever you want. Uh, but even like the Miles Morales and a card that kind of disappeared for a while in She-Hulk, right? Like, if they do play this late... I think this is where like She-Hulk is going to get some value because then you can play this for the one cost that you're going to drop. If they play it on four, then you have that ability to react to it a little bit. Doctor Doom, we said was a faller, might be a staying stagnant because of this. So that's going to be interesting. Depending where it's played, you can have things like Mr. Fantastic and Claw and still putting those power points in other position. I think the problem is the opponent, the Jean Grey, will always have their deck designed Jean Grey. A lot of decks won't. And that, and like, man, talk about destroy. What about destroy, Alex? Like this completely, if they play a Deadpool, you just play, you just play, you just play Jean Grey on another lane. 
You completely shut it down. Yeah, I think that it is huge against destroy, especially if you can consider something like, okay, if you armor a location with Jean Grey, then like you can play larger cards there, and then they can't really answer to it, and they can't Shang-Chi because it's in an armored location, they're forced to play there. Not just that, but like, yeah, what do you do with a Deadpool that now, what, you just keep feeding to the same location, and it to, to destroy it, to keep it kind of ramping up, you're never filling the location, so you can't really move out of it, because if you're destroying things, and it, it, you can't move you can't move outward, like, and then you have, what, your, your free saber tooth, but you have to play it to fill the location, so you can't do the turn six miracle. It is super restrictive to destroy, isn't it? I think, yeah, and I like what you said about armor, because if you play Gene, then armor, even if they kill Monga, the Deadpool, it's like they, they don't want to replay it there, or Nova, or whatever it might be. I just feel like this is one of those that is going to get a, hit a little bit harder. And if you think about it, discard a little bit too. Yeah, they have Swarm, but that is such a design deck to play a card at a certain location and do this and do the Dracula. It's going to mix up the meta. It definitely is. And I'm not entirely sure that it's going to like be like breaking. I, I think it might be restrictive and it might take some getting used to. What I'm actually looking forward to the most is that, first of all, it's a Series 5 card where it's entering the, uh, the collection cash spotlight system. So it's going to have more access to more people. And I think that people are going to have to build decks anticipating Jean Grey. I think it's going to have that much of an impact on the meta where you have to be prepared for it. I think you have to respect Jean Grey. And it's going to be up to individual deck builders to find creative ways to do that in their favorite decks. Because if you don't build for Jean Grey and if you don't respect what Jean Grey is capable of, I think that you're in a situation where you're going to get punished extremely hard. Just like you mentioned with the Destroy example. If you're not ready to deal with Jean Grey, then like if you're playing a Deadpool deck, like what do you do? You just, you just lose. You just retreat basically because you're not going to be able to, to access those other locations effectively. Any other cards that you think are going to just maybe even just throw me a couple crazy, crazy ones. We still don't know. And I don't know if we've received confirmation as of recording about the Agatha. That's been something weighing on my mind. Oh, I yeah, don't know right. if Agatha counts as a player. If Agatha has to commit to the Jean Grey location, if Agatha can play outside of it, I, I actually don't know. And I don't know if we've received confirmation yet. I know. I'm surprised we got like no comments on that, guys. I, I was like waiting for like a couple comments, like break it down there. I don't think there was a lot on that particular episode. Uh, Mantis, I think, goes up a lot more, too. Like, way yes. more. I thought Mantis was going to go up with Nebula. Wasn't really the case. I think Mantis will go up significantly when it comes to Jean Grey because it's a one-cost commitment and you steal a card. All the Guardians benefit, like, you know, but but Mantis, you are right. By, by stealing a card, it's like, it's basically turning. Is it is it a better cable now? Because it's a cheaper card mm -hmm. that you can play to the location, fill it up a little bit, and then you basically get to steal a card from them, prop up your, uh, your other cards while also having something that you can play yourself. I think it's... It is interesting, and I mean, Mantis has been so utterly unplayable for so long. It's nice to see it get something, but at the same time, it's a 1-2. So if you think about what your deck looks like, if you're playing Jean Grey into a location that maybe... You're probably playing Jean Grey into a location where they have nothing, right? And then you you play basically your, your Mantis to force, like you might be underpowered. And another card I want to bring up here is uh, it's not a... A Guardians of the Galaxy, but how does it interact with something like a Kingpin? Because Kingpin's primary problem is that you run out of, like, your opponent just plays into the Kingpin location, does, does not allow you to play the Magneto or the Arrow. Suddenly, if you force them to play into a specific location, allowing Kingpin to have some open space, I mean, you could potentially do a lot of damage, but it would require that Jean Grain comes out on four or five. Isn't it so wild that Silver Surfer, it feels like every week, it's like why I want different costs to get their own card. 
We're like new Silver Surfer every week. It's a new Silver Surfer day. Three costs when they get at all either new to the game, even like we've seen it with the OTAs. It's crazy that Jean Grey's ability with Silver Surfer is going to be wild. And listen, I've played some Silver King. They're fun. Are they crazy? Eh. But, you know, you can win Gold Conquest with them. But yes, the biggest problem is it's either Invisible Woman or Storm. And then you don't get one of those. And then you get Kingpin. But this is kind of like another cog in the machine. That's a three cost. I, it is interesting. And, you know, it's crazy. I think that uh, Living Tribunal, it, it's like they're not going to play Enchantress into their Jean Grey. Obviously, it's ongoing. They don't even have it in the deck. I doubt it. I absolutely doubt it. So that's where maybe this card maybe gets... It, it, I, I love it because I feel like Snap always has decks that can counter decks, that can counter cards, that can counter... I love it, man. It's... I never thought Living Tribunal, I'll be honest with you. Not in a million years that I think you're going to bring up Living Tribunal on this podcast. But um, you, you are right. It does mitigate the effect. It does go uh, wide by design. I think that ultimately when we start piloting Gene Gray based decks, we're going to be in a situation where we start to identify how to actually position it to have the greatest impact, right? We're going to be punishing our opponents. We're not going to be putting ourselves out deep. And I actually am looking forward to, I'm trying to design lists where Gene Gray is the fourth card of yours that drops into a, a lane. So really like you're, that lane's done and you're good. And they're just like, what do I do now? I have to play there and it's turn five or six. I think that's where she's going to be in her strongest. So early on, you mentioned she's not necessarily always a turn three card. I think she's going to really excel on turn five. That's interesting. I like it a lot. Maybe just wave out Ultron, get it over with and then figure it out from there. Uh, no, uh, listen guys, Jean Grey definitely going to be very, very different of a card. Very exciting and or polarizing in the same way, right? We've waited for the card to come out for a while. Want to hear y'all's opinion on the new control queen and honestly, with the spotlight caches, it's going to take some time. Some people might get her on the very for first spotlight cache. Others, it could take all four. We have seen the datamize. I don't know, it, it, you know if they're absolutely true. We'll know in one day. But Noel, Living Tribunal, maybe by the time this launches, it's already out. And Jean Grey is the first spotlight cache, which I think is an interesting three. Give me, on her way out, give me your quick fire thoughts on that spotlight cash. I think it had to be Jean Grey up front because as we, we discussed last week that we felt like it could have been the season pass card. So to lead with it this month, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Noel, it had to be Noel or Jeff or Darkhawk. It had to be, right? Because those were the three that I think sparked the most ire from the community. I would have actually probably picked Darkhawk over Noel for the first set to get a little more excitement. I think Darkhawk has more universal appeal, but Noel's still an absolutely banger card, specifically because Destroy is making it's having a resurgence right now like destroy is coming back and if you've been waiting for that null to play into your new destroy deck then you're going to get that opportunity and living tribunal i think was the as you kind of we kind of alluded to there, there's got to be one card they're just like mm. <laughs> the yeah. filler card there, there still is the opportunity to get the random four or five series card as well right so it's it's technically a cash it's a spotlight cache of four objects not just the three but yeah those are the three guaranteed i feel like in this one yeah, Noel has a strong case, and I love Noel, but I feel like if you open up Jean Grey in the first spotlight cast, you're done. <laughs> Call it out. I don't think you need it, because you don't want to double roll for the Living Tribunal and or Noel when you don't know what's coming next week. And we should know when this all drops, we should know the schedule. You know what I mean, though? That's how I would go about it, at least. I would agree. If you can pull Jean Grey, number one, then I, th I think you can save your caches and walk away. I, I mean, I would like Noel, but 
You're right. You're running the risk. Do I, do I get null or do I get living tribunal and living tribunal for the most part is hot, filthy, just engulfed in flames, garbage. So realistically you, you want to dodge that if you can, oh, man, we're, are we deep into this meta of like how many polls you go into? I think so. I think again? this is going to be a new topic, man, of like when and how much you commit and what we, what we like. And, you know, we'll give our one through five stars on the, on the spotlight catches. I'm joined today by none other than Molt. That's right, we entered the multiverse and we've got ourselves a new version of Cozy. Molt, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I hope your day is going well also. Yeah, it's going great. And uh, for those who are just curious, Cozy looks a little different, but not too different, ironically. <laughs> so what happened was Cozy was like recording and he's like, hey man, he's like, I don't feel great. Uh, can we take a break and record in the morning or something? I'm like, hey, sure. And then next thing you know, Cozy's like, man, I can't talk anymore. And then Molt, on last minute's notice, has come to the savior of the Snapchat to fill in for Cozy. But you know what, man? I'm I'm so glad you're here and uh i i just listen we just finished uh having you on the snapchat for the uh the month of move how was that month how'd you feel about move it's fun i enjoyed it and i like seeing other people see you know that there's a lot of depth to the game besides what everybody's playing i always try and encourage people to learn new cards, learn new things. It's going to make the game so much more enjoyable. So I'm happy that people were able to see that last month. Yeah, there was a lot of people starting to experiment with move, which I think a lot of people were just like, no, I'm not going to play move. It seems way too complex. And yeah. it's funny because it doesn't feel like move kind of got people ready for bounce to some extent because they're two very complicated play patterns. And they're like, well, if mm -hmm. I could figure out move, I could figure out bounce. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're always thinking ahead. You're always... Like, because with bounce, you're moving stuff. You know, you play it at one location, then you move it to another, then you remove it again. And like, so they're the same, like you said, concept is there. So I think that that's, it definitely got people ready for, uh, for all the bounce that's going around right now. Absolutely. Okay. So for on this episode here, we're going to be talking about three different topics. We're going to be talking about Phoenix Force, the good, the bad, the ugly, our first impressions and our first week with Phoenix Force. We're also going to be talking about our patch note predictions. We're going to be talking about what we would like to see and what we just might get in the most recent patch note. And then finally, we're going to talk about the best pool three cards to unlock for free in the token shop for those that are still seeing the token shop rotations and of course there ain't nothing better than free we're going to start off the conversation here with phoenix force now molt who is filling in for cozy we're going to be talking about phoenix force and my first impressions of phoenix force and i don't know if you agree but it feels like perhaps one of the more underwhelming of the season pass cards. It's not a bad card, but it feels like the first card I want to cut every single time I make a deck for it. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely not a bad card, but it's it's not one of the best. Can you do some really cool stuff with it? Yes, but it requires very specific draws. And a lot of times there are cards that you put in decks that can work with multiple things. But with Phoenix Force, you have to be able to destroy something and you have to be able to destroy the ideal card, which for a lot of people was either Human Torch or Multiple Man. And so if people didn't draw into it, then it felt like it was a wasted space in the car, uh, in your in your deck. And so I think that's one reason why you get that feeling of like, ah, I mean, I haven't drawn it in a couple games. Maybe I'll cut it and, and go do something else. It does feel super combo centric. Like if you don't get the yeah. cards in the right order and you don't get to do the thing, then the whole deck feels horrible, right? And there's a few decks that feel that way, right? And it's it Phoenix Force definitely feels like that. So I mean, listen, I think Move yeah. was one of the greatest synergistic kind of archetypes for Phoenix Force. What were some of the like your favorite decks or favorite kind of uh, synergies within Move that you're experimenting with? So I definitely agree that Move was obviously really good for it. It had Move in its description, and I think that's why most people gravitated towards the Human Torch, which obviously is dangerous with 
Killmongers that are going around, and then the Multiple Man, which was awesome. Because, man, if you played that thing on turn five, you could, and, and that was your highest cost card, you could play Ghost Spider, and then you could play, then you could play Doctor Strange, things like that. So there were lots of different ways that you could move and get a lot of power around the board with with obviously the move option. Now, for me, I liked using Phoenix Force with not move cards, almost like a Taskmaster, if you will, to where you would just destroy something that, say, had three or four power, and then on turn five, then you bring out a 510, which is a pretty good stat line, and then you have the ability to move it like Vision. So, yeah, I've, I feel like a lot of people kind of got locked into the fact that it had to relate to a move card instead of the fact that it was kind of like a Captain Marvel type vision card in its in its own right, you know? Yeah, that's that's also like a great point because it, it, to some degree, like you have this interesting, interesting interaction where you have like Captain Marvel at 5.6, you have Phoenix Force at 5.6, you have Vision at 5.7, and if something gets destroyed, I mean, realistically, it just adds that value. So it's like a 5.6 vision to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Does it feel like power creep on vision and Captain Marvel to some extent? Like, I, I don't know what to do with those cards now. Uh, I mean, obviously, as we talk about some patch notes predictions and maybe desires, like maybe those two cards could fit in there. Because, yeah, it does kind of seem like it's creeping in on that. Now, obviously, you have to do something in order to make it work because it's not going to move if you didn't destroy anything. I don't know if everybody's tested that out, but I was like, yeah, I got to see. Played it, nothing happened. So you had to be able to destroy something in order for it to move. So it is power creep, but it, it requires one extra step in order to make it function the same. So, yeah, a little different, but fairly similar. One thing that kind of surprised me about Phoenix Force was that, like, in my head, I felt like, okay, I can add this card in there and use it defensively. Like, if something gets Shang-Chi'd, I can bring it back. Or, uh. But I found myself never, ever once using it defensively. Like, if it got Shang-Chi'd, then, like, it was probably too late in the game for me to play Phoenix Force anyways. And when we were first discussing when it was first announced, like that was kind of one of the things it can be used defensively and like it just never panned out that way. I don't know if you ever experienced anything like that at all, but I never tried to play it defensively because yeah, typically with Shang-Chi and whatnot, you're rarely going to see a Shang-Chi on turn four because typically you're not going to have nine power by turn three, you know, unless they try and predict something. That was one of the things that made Phoenix Forest feel a little bit clunky was the fact that, you almost had to have it in your hand on turn four. Otherwise, you're risking having to top deck it. You don't know if you should destroy a card that could give you power or whatnot. So it, it, it was definitely weird feeling like you had to have it by turn four in order to confidently be able to make some decisions around your play style and stuff, you know? I like what, exactly what you're saying. And I think that it adds complexity to like playing Phoenix Force and experimenting with Phoenix Force. And ultimately, I think mm-hmm. over time, we're going to start to see like more decks that get built with it because we have seen some really cool decks. I mean, I saw you create some really cool decks with it and like they had high win rates. They were performing really well. But like it's one of those season pass cards. Like when you think back of what like Silver Surfer did, you, when, when everyone uh-huh. got Silver Surfer, like it had this immediate impact on the meta. Like, I don't know about you. I'm not actually facing off against much phoenix force at all like are you seeing lots of phoenix force wouldn't say i'm seeing a lot of it but i have seen i've seen people play the the multiple man combo and all that kind of stuff and and you can see it coming i've been trying to implement it in other decks as well like i've got a video coming out soon where i use it strictly as kind of that vision style play but within a destroy deck and so it's just like an option to move some of your power around which honestly i think is where the card's gonna settle more is that you'll see people use it in a destroy deck 
more than you'll see people use it in a move deck. Now, obviously, it doesn't work with Deadpool. It doesn't work with Wolverine because those cards exist on the board or within your hand. So you have to destroy something else. One of my favorite combos to do was destroying Bucky Barnes because then you would have two Winter Soldiers on the board. And if you destroyed Phoenix Force as Bucky Barnes a second time with Venom, then you get seven power plus that six really really good so there i I think that we'll see it kind of shift away from the whole multiple man sort of play style and we'll see people start implementing it more just into like strictly destroy decks and it does feel like a card that as more cards are released more synergies will become available like it'll kind of age like wine a little bit uh whereas Mm -hmm. uh you know some other season pass releases just get nerfed into oblivion and i don't think this one's going to see exactly that so um Mm -hmm. on that note i think that uh like we, we pretty much covered phoenix force like my first impressions as i said was like you know a little lukewarm i'd like to see where it goes from here um i think that a lot of people are perhaps relieved that we got a season pass card that doesn't feel like as required to buy i mean for some of the free to play players out there like it might be a nice like reprieve from the nebula seasons and stuff like that but okay i like putting people on the spot here uh molt what do you give it out of one to ten like what's your kind of off the cuff grade one to ten probably six six and a half yeah and what did you feel like a nebula would have been oh man i mean when nebula first came out probably eight or nine but once everybody got kitty pride then nebula got knocked down to like a five because Kitty Pride just straight up counters Nebula. It's so crazy to think about that. Actually, it's uh, like it's it's. I was so excited for Kitty Pride to come get out there, and obviously got it was accessible to everybody, which was amazing. And it's it yeah. just completely shot the value of Nebula to some extent. But Nebula is still <laughs> an amazing card, and I've been this person yeah. that's been saying like make turn one great again. Like I've wanted turn one to matter for so long, and this is something cozy that I get into all the time. And like finally, we're getting all these really good. One drops. I mean, Kitty Pride's not even really one drop. I will die on this hill. Like, I think it's like a four drop kind of because like you just keep investing that energy. It doesn't feel like a one yeah. drop the way Nebula does, right? But yeah, right. I uh, I agree with your assessment. I think uh, like a six is about right. I could even lean towards a five. It definitely feels like if you're free to play, you know, you can skip on this. But you know what the crazy thing about the yeah. battle pass is? The art is incredible. The variants are amongst the best they've released in a while. So, I yep. listen. They got to entice you somehow, but uh, right. <laughs> but Phoenix Force, the good, the bad, the ugly, and now we're going to be moving on to our balance patch note predictions. As of recording, the balance patch notes have not been announced, and so Molt and I are going in blind, and we're going to go with our wish list here, what we would like to see happen, but more realistically, what we think might actually happen. And uh, I yep. like doing this, and before, if you're watching this, before the patch notes are going live, make some predictions yourself in the comments, because we'd like to see that as well. So, Molt, I'm going to get us started. There's a few cards that I think really need to get worked on, but I don't know if it's going to be too early for High Evolutionary to get touched up. It's currently seeing like a massive uh, share of the meta. It's like well over 20%. Are you seeing lots of uh, of High Evolutionary? Oh, man. It it honestly feels constant. And it's in Conquest a lot just because of its consistency. But even on the latter, I'm seeing it a lot. And the crazy thing is, if, if you look at statistics for High Evo, there are multiple High Evo decks that are performing really, really well. Like, obviously, there's the Lockjaw one that people are using in different regards. Some people are playing High Evo Lockjaw with just Hulk and Wasp, and that's all. Like, I think that in itself shows the strength of those two cards within High Evolutionary. And then you see the other deck where people are using all of the other high evolutionary cards and those are performing well. So, I mean, I, I agree. It's all, over the, it's all over the place. And one of my things I always say is I think 
we need a balance off of strength, but we also need a balance off of boredom. And the fact that when you see something too much for too long, I think that that's a time to change it and kind of shift it up. And so not only is it strong, but it's also very prevalent right now. So I think that I think it'd be a good idea to, to hit it a little sooner than later, because later on, you know, people are going to be more upset as they get used to it. I agree with that sentiment so much. Like, I love what you just said because I literally have recently made the argument that high evolutionary is not bad for, for the game in the sense that, like, its, it's win rate is too high or it's too consistent in mm-hmm. conquest, which it kind of is. It's It just sucks to, to queue into the same deck 23% of the time. It just feels yeah. bad. And, like, I, I listen, we're content creators. I can't play high evo. No one wants me to make that content. Like, no one wants to see me do that, <laughs> right? So it's like, so, like, I don't play it and I'm playing against it nonstop. I can only feel... Like I can only understand, like begin to imagine how someone playing those mirror matches over and over again would feel, right? It just it's boring, and I think that Marvel snaps at its best when there is a ton of variation in the decks. Not only that you're playing and you're willing to play right. to gain rank or to go into conquest, but also mm-hmm. that you're facing off against because it feels fresh. Each gameplay experience feels a very kind of new and unique. And I I love what you said there because that's exactly it. So for me, a patch note prediction. And again, I don't know if it's too early to go after high evolutionary because it might be something to go after in a couple weeks or I don't know if it's even OTA worthy. I think there's probably a couple of OTA changes here, but the one of the cards that really stands out to me as I misclick here is going to be wasp wasp has really emerged as like an incredibly powerful card in this archetype. And something that like has really stuck out in my mind. And uh, this is something that Glenn had said was around the balance of high Evo. It was originally supposed to be what, like a 4-6? They dropped it to 4-4. And I think that in discussing that, they said that, listen, we're going to make these cards. It feels better if not if High Evolutionary is more powerful, but if the cards uh-huh. you're playing in conjunction with High Evolutionary are more powerful. It's more yeah. fun to play the Big Hulk, the, the Wasp that does the negative, and the, the Cyclops that does the Eye Blast. That's the fun part, right? So right. making these cards more powerful and bringing down High Evo is kind of, you know, the best strategy. So I guess my question to you, Molt, can you foresee perhaps a nerf to the power of like high evolutionary, maybe it going down to like a 4-2 or like a 4-1 just to make it that much of a dead draw versus even going after the individual cards in the actual archetype itself? Right. I rarely see people play high evo. I would say 90% of the time I see high evo played, it's pulled out of lockjaw because it is kind of a a dead draw. It unlocks the potential of other cards. You kind of see that with Sarah in the same sense. Obviously, Sarah has to be played in order to unlock the power of that final turn. Haivo is different in the fact that it doesn't have to be played to unlock that. It just has to be in your deck. And so I don't think I don't think touching Haivo's power would do anything to the deck. I think that Cyclops needs to be looked at. I think Wasp needs to be looked at. And I think that Hulk needs to be looked at. Those are the ones that don't take any thought to be effective. And I think that games like this, thought should be required in order to achieve like good things. And Wasp is just thrown down on Lockjaw, and if they have two cards there, then, man, like that's just, it's just so much power that can just be... It's free. Like, it, like two power wins locations all the time. The fact that they can just do that for free and then cycle out another card is a a bit of a problem so i don't know where the balance lies but those are the three cards in my opinion that i think make the biggest impact in those decks especially if like cyclops is on a storm location or anything like that like if you're facing a haibo and somebody plays storm give up on that location you're gonna lose it <laughs> yeah no kidding unless like there's draculas in some mind like yeah, there's Dracula's some ways the only case yeah. <laughs> 
but realistically, it feels like a completely lost lane. And I, I love what you're saying because, like, Wasp has brought Jane Job back. Like, like Jane's back. And the thing is, you play yeah. Wasp. It's basically a three power card. You're cycling something through Lockjaw, and then guess what? On turn five, mm -hmm. you bring it back, usually with uh, with Mjolnir, and then you play it again. It's a negative two into that location. It's like it's a lot. It's a lot of yeah. power. And I would maybe start by like just make it just affect one, like one random target maybe, right? Instead of the yeah. two, maybe that's a good start. I don't know. Like I don't think you can change the power. Like we, you, there's not much you can do to a wasp, right? There's just not yeah. that much. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about how high Evo affects the cards because obviously all of them have their normal cost as well. I wonder, I wonder if maybe that's something you could do based off of the strength. Like maybe when you're using high Evo, Cyclops actually costs four. Like, I, I don't know what, what they could do. If, if they like the effect of it, then maybe because these are mutated cards from high evolutionaries, science degree, like whatever he did to them, I think maybe he changes the cost of them or he just like they change the power of Hulk. Maybe the cost changes for some of them and it still has the effect. Like I think there's different ways that they can go about it if they like the current effects that they have. But Cyclops is just way too strong. Like you play that on turn three and if you skip out and then obviously give power to Hulk, give power to Sunspot, all that kind of stuff, then Cyclops is just a, a massive amount of, of power potential there just for the cost of three. So I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because it's definitely going to be changed. Like there's no way that they can leave it like it is. I think that'd be pretty bad for the game pretty fascinating for for you to say like adjust the power like i never really thought of that the idea of like maybe cyclops is a four cost like that's actually kind of crazy i don't know if they'd go down that route like it seems that seems like a wild change and it might be a little more difficult for the more casual player but it does make sense does it because he yeah. definitely way outperforms three power because like think about what like okay baseline three power like if we're talking about uh maximus maximus three seven and he's drawing two cards which unless you're playing ronin which you're not because no one plays ronin right it's a <laughs> massive disadvantage for three seven power Power, and he's basically a three six on one floated energy, right? It's mm -hmm. it's wild, and not to mention that you're floating that energy, your sunspot gets bigger, your Hulk gains plus two, and it's just the yep. whole thing just rises like a like a tide, you know, of biblical proportions. It's just. Yeah, Cyclops is pretty crazy, and like I think you're right to identify this, the storm interaction because you play Cyclops on four, and guess what you've done? You've floated an energy, so like he's yep. blast, he's doing eye blast right off the bat, and he's already a three six. So like I don't even know. Can you even change him to a three three? Like is that even enough? But then you kill his interactions elsewhere, and like I mean, where are you even playing? Like Patriot Surfer is the only other list I think he ever yeah. made it into. I don't want to right. kill the card either. Like we just went months like asking for Cyclops to get some respect. And here we are. He gets a little bit. Right. We're dialing him down. And Cozy just talked about how it's his, one of his most hated cards in the game right now. So I think you guys are on, yeah. on par with each other. I mean, it, it's tough when you have when you have games like this that in themselves are competitive. Like this, this game is designed to be more competitive than other mobile games. Like it's a card game. They're, like there's going to be depth of thought. But obviously you want to, you know, make the casual players feel comfortable as well. But ah, you don't want to spoil them, you know, like cards like Cyclops. I don't I don't think I said this on this podcast, but cards like Cyclops give people fish. It doesn't teach them how to fish. Like all that it does is give them the reward, but doesn't teach them how to understand interactions or anything like that. Like the value that it gets for the effort that was put into it, I think doesn't create players that feel more deeply connected to the game which will create longer lasting players for your game you want people to play your game for years and in my opinion decks like high evolutionary 
are instant gratification decks for people and when they go away those players go away with them and so there's i mean there's a tough balance like psychologically and all that kind of stuff that can happen with the player base and everything that is super deep to talk about but i think decks like this that are fairly easy to play but give you a lot of success can be damaging to the long-term player base of the game and it, yeah, and it's kind of wild to think that this is a Series 5 card that costs 6,000 tokens and is still amassing 20-something percent of the meta across, yeah. like, and it's, I mean, it's kind of our fault, Mole, because we were, all, like, we were amongst the ones saying, hey, save your tokens, right? High Evo's yeah. going to be great. And everyone listened, <laughs> and they saved their tokens. Now everyone's playing High Evo, <laughs> and here we are talking about it. But, uh, all right, let's move on from High Evo. Obviously, there's some stuff that can be done here. Ironically, I'm just going to say that I think Abomination it has been a little less you know, impactful okay. as I would have expected. Like I thought Abomination uh -huh. would have been a little more oppressive and uh, I, I'm not seeing much Misty Knight and Misty Knight has always felt pretty fair. Shocker has been the one to me that like has been completely neglected, but in my original yeah. testing, I actually thought Shocker was good. Like I thought this effect was good and it's just yeah. not made the cut in so many lists. So it's kind of interesting to think about how not all of them are, are made from the same cloth, but uh, yeah, our, our, right. our let's, uh, let's move X-Men, the top move card of Marvel Snap definitely needs a little slap down, I think. <laughs> I'm going to throw another one at you, Molt, and we're going to go to one cost here. And uh, we had talked about with uh, with Cozy how Spider-Ham is just absolutely infuriating. The ability to show cards in your hand is insane. Now, I'm going to ask you, Molt. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask for a buff to Iceman. I, I don't want to be that guy that does that. One of the most frustrating cards in Marvel Snap to play against. But do you see a world where Iceman now reveals what's hit in the hand? Or do we have to take back what Spider-Ham has achieved and Spider-Ham can no longer see what it hits. I think you take back from Spider-Ham, honestly. I mean, obviously there are other cards in the game like Yondu and Cable that can give you a little bit of intellect as well as White Queen, but something as cheap as a one drop, like, I mean, Cable is a two, so obviously you, you, you're kind of paying a little bit more to gain that information and to steal a little bit. But yeah, for a one drop, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I think we take it away from Spider-Ham. I don't think that Iceman should 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 show it. Yeah, Spider-Ham has been absolutely insane. Like it's especially in Conquest. I don't, I don't know about you, like I love Conquest. I think it's a great place to test new decks, brew and uh, have some fun. And this this card, it's just it's just infuriating. Like it completely changes the context of an entire Conquest match that no other card does. Oh yeah. Like it just yeah. it completely changes the way that that entire matchup is going to be played. And uh, all right, that's interesting. To, interesting to hear. Now uh, I had a thought as well. There was a card that I was looking at the other day, and I was like, you know what? Can Spider Ham be more like this? And I'm I'm talking about Black Widow. The reason why I bring up bring up Black Widow here is because you have Black Widow. It's a two one. Right. And the mm. key thing about Black Widow is that it's the Widow's Bite that's so impactful. That Widow's Bite feels so horrible to get shot into your uh -huh. hand. Right. And what if Spider-Ham was a 2-1? Like, what? Like, does that actually kill the card? Like, I think no. people have talked about making it a 1-0, but as a 1-0, like, it doesn't... I feel like that's rough. I think it could work in Destroy List and stuff like that, like, with Carnages, and, like, you can do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So as a place. But, like, as a 2-1, would Spider-Ham still be playable? I think it would. I feel like you could even make it a 2-2 just to kind of get rid of... Like, if, if people were upset about that power, just make it a little bit more expensive for its effect, because... It is bounced a lot. Now, typically it hits the same card. Um, from my experience, I feel like probably 80% of the time it's hitting the same card, especially with decks that I play where I maybe have one five cost and then America Chavez in it. It's typically just going to hit the same the same card there. But 
yeah, I, I think that at least raising its cost one would be good. Definitely removing what it sees. I don't know. I, I feel like there's some things that they could they could definitely do with it to make it feel a little bit less infuriating, if you will, because it, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it, does, it does not feel good, that's for sure. And it kind of felt like Leech in a way where it doesn't feel good to play either, but it feels better to play than right. Leech did because at least you're seeing the card. And I think that yeah. is fun. So, like, I don't want to destroy the, the whole piggy effect because I, I think it's a cool effect. It isn't always negative either, depending on your deck. Like, the, one of the decks I've been working with has infinite in it and it, it's gotten hit so many times and i just laugh i'm like oh cool i wasn't planning on playing that but i appreciate it <laughs> so there is there is the upside to it in that sense but if you're playing iron man getting a, a five zero it, like it, it just feels so bad when it ever when it hits iron man if it hits a sarah things like that so i think there's definitely a place for the card in the game and it doesn't feel as bad in the sense that there are certain cards that it it's fine if it hits but yeah, I feel like it could be tweaked just a little bit. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. And uh, I'm actually going to hit you with another one cost with regards to potential patch changes. And this is one that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it's Kitty Pride. I love yep. Kitty Pride. I consider oh, my myself very... Card. Yeah. And uh, did you get a chance to play with like the original one where you manually bounced it back? Oh, how yeah. good was that? Like, this is still fun, but do you remember that original one? How good it yeah. was? It could stay like any individual turn. You didn't have to bring yeah. it back if you didn't want to. Oh, that was yeah. that was like the best 48 hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad that that interaction is gone because there are some times where I want to stay on the board and I don't want to pull it back. My ADD mind always has to be doing something. And so Kitty Pride fits perfectly inside of that. And, and I love it. But easily the strongest one drop, especially if it's drawn on turn one, it's the strongest card in the game. One thing that I was thinking about was the priority dance with Kitty Pride is tricky because this is something, this is like a shower thought thing where I'm like, Kitty Pride is mm -hmm. annoying me. I'm facing a lot of bounce and Kitty Pride is like, problematic because it, it removes the priority and I'm, I'm holding right. Killmongers, right? And I play a lot of Silver Surfer. So I've been playing Invisible Surfer where I have the Invisible Woman. I hide in a Killmonger behind it. So the Killmonger mm -hmm. will reveal at the end of the game to wipe out the board of the uh, all the Patriots and all the uh, the Kitty Prize we're seeing. I had this mm -hmm. thought and tell me if this is crazy, Mo. Tell me if this is crazy. But what if Kitty Pride bounce bounce back at the start of the turn but what if priority was set and then kitty pride bounced back so that the player who's playing kitty pride if they have a priority advantage right will maintain that priority priority advantage and kitty pride will drop first allowing for more additional counterplays with shang chi's with killmongers even electra which is a lot harder to hit obviously because you have to guess the location but i think that yeah. locking in the priority in advance of kitty pride bouncing back might be interesting as a patch note change what are your thoughts yeah i I think it, that's interesting because that would affect lots of other areas of, of the game as well, not just Kitty Pride. If, I mean, obviously, if anybody's playing Bounce right now, then they're playing Kitty Pride. But to see a change like that affect the entire game for one card, I think is is interesting. And I think people forget about the strength of that priority a lot. For people who, who maybe don't play as much or think into that type of stuff as much they probably just think oh the fact that it can be a 1-8 or a 1-10 strong but just like you said being able to dodge killmonger with this is incredibly powerful and so yeah i i think if they could figure out a way to work around around that to where i don't i i don't know i i do think that's a very interesting thought again shower yeah. thought didn't give that much thought to it, it just kind of occurred to me i'm yeah. like i'll throw it at molt when i see him and see what he says and here we are <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. For sure. I would love, for what it's worth, even if it comes two years down the road, if they could just patch the original Kitty Pride design back in. Oh, yeah. That, that's what I would really love, but, uh, you know, I digress. Perhaps that isn't in the cards quite yet. Molt, I'm going to hit you with another one. Tell me your thoughts. Jessica Jones feels like a card that has been completely forgotten. Mm. I think this feels yeah. like an OTA one. Can we just do plus five? Is plus five power enough? Make her a five nine. Do we go to plus six power to make her a four ten? Because four ten is kind of like the baseline for the meta condition. Get the get the power type thing, right? You got the Atumas. Right. You got the Typhoid Marys. Jessica Jones. Yeah. Is anyone really gonna cry if she's a four ten where you don't play in that location? I think four ten would be pretty strong. Um, I could see four nine just because of the it being Shang Chiable or whatever. It's it's strong when played behind Storm, and I do see that every once in a while, but it is 100% a forgettable 4-drop. Nobody really thinks about JJ too often, which is kind of sad because I, I like the concept of it because there is a little bit of punishment in it in the fact that you can't play on that location. And so there is a negative for the power, but is is that power worth that negative? I think if they went up to a 4-9, I think that you would see it a lot more and I think you would see it in in specific interactions with things like Storm to be able to prevent potential Shang-Chi and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a forgettable card that I think they could do something with. Maybe even, I don't know, make it a, a three and make it go up to seven like uh, Maximus. But you still can't play on that location. And that's the negative. It's not the draw. I like that. I like that drop to a three. I never really considered that. Like my argument for leaving it at a four and letting it be a 10 was that like, you can't play it on six. It can never be played on turn six. If you play it on turn five, then they know where you're not playing, for instance. But yeah, I like that idea. Three drop. Okay. Molt, do you have any cards that you want to call out for needing nerfs, buffs, changes, or anything along those lines? I think uh, instead of specific cards, I would say that just the Sarah archetype in general needs to be looked at i love sarah decks i've played sarah decks since the beginning of the game before it was popular and she just she the reason that i like it is because for people who like to think deeper than the meta she creates some really fun opportunities like i the first time i hit infinite was with a deck with her and it was before zabu existed and i used her to be able to play omega red and Ghost Rider final turn. That was what I pushed to Infinite with. So I would play Lady Sif, get rid of Infinite, and then way back then, people didn't know what the heck was going on, and my final turn play was Omega Red and Ghost Rider, and I would I would win. And like that's a fun Sarah deck to me. It's like, okay, I'm playing two cards. I think Sarah, when she allows people to play two cards or for people to create really fun interactions, like for a while, people were using Arrow and kingpin like those are cool like that that's fun that takes a little bit more thought than just slamming the board with six two drops or whatever people are doing and it's just too popular it's been at the top for too long and i hate saying that because i love sarah decks but i like it for a different reason than other people because i like to think of like the different combinations that you can do with it and i think a lot of people might agree that that she could probably use uh, a little a little bit of a little bit of love or a little bit of work in a different direction because of how long she has been a a top tier deck the thing that i get back to with sarah very often is i think about that five three stat line like when you thought about like what death wave used to be you play your wave like used to be in the past you play wave on turn five you play three power and you float two mm-hmm. for the she hulk everything it's three power on turn five yeah. what leech did was basically three power turn five 
And yeah. Sarah used to be five five, still a five four. Does moving her to a five three alleviate that? Because now it's again, it's that three power on turn five for the big turn six effect. I think that she would still be just as effective. Maybe she can only play four cards. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I. I like the thought that she requires of people to create fun interactions. But again, playing six two drops, especially if you have Zabu and Sarah, like go home. You're playing too many cards. And I love and like I like that. Like that's fun for me. But I think challenging people to think of fun, cool interactions that people wouldn't see otherwise is where Sarah should be shining. And so maybe she limits the number of, of cards. So like it says, cards in your hand cost one less, minimum of one. Maybe that goes away. And it says, cards in your hand cost one less, only play four. Or like whatever it may be. So then you limit, okay, now I'm going to do, I'll do a four drop, I'll do a three, and then I'll do two twos. I don't know if that math added up, but like that sort of thing, I think can maybe put her in a good spot to where she still has that same effect, but makes people think a little bit more than just slamming the board or whatever. I think that, and again, I like, I love Sarah. So I hate having to say that, but for the sake of, like I said earlier, balancing for boredom, I think that challenging people to come up with different interactions with Sarah would be good for the game and also good for the player base to kind of learn and see the depth that the game has you know i like that uh mold do you have any others omega red's one of my favorite cards so i wouldn't mind maybe that that goes down to nine you need nine power here to get plus four i don't know if that seems too strong but i feel like that'd be a little bit more achievable i think ongoing in general could kind of see a little bit of love and in, in a certain like a couple a couple of cards on there to kind of tweak and whatnot because you don't see too much spectrum you know we used to with destroyer spectrum decks and i still see them sometimes on sometimes when i'm playing bots well you're playing bots i know eh? I, the, the card that i see all the time when i'm playing bots is uh is this absolute beauty i think this is this has to be the international it's a bot card oh, yeah. right here right it's like <laughs> the kia comes down you're like well i guess i get to snap it's free cubes but now those stupid bots are retreating it feels like such a cheat ah yeah. damn it i'm gonna hit you with two more just to close out and then we're gonna move on to our best pool three cards i i had this thought where i'm like i feel like cable feels irrelevant right now it feels like completely useless especially when you consider we have mirage coming as well i don't know if changing cable to a two three does it but tell me this and this is something that i i've tried to have debates with with people in the past some people say it doesn't matter but to me i think it might what if cable pulled the top card and you've theoretically know that you've denied a draw what do you think about that change i'd be okay with that they fixed the interaction with jubilee and they screwed up the interaction with cable so I'd be okay with that. I feel like it's such a good card for information that you would want to see it in other decks. Like I used to play Baron Mordo a, a good bit as well Ooh. because of just its controllability and the fact that it it affects what your opponent is going to do. And people always have arguments. So like, no, Baron isn't as good as XYZ. And I'm like, well, then why the freak is a card even in, in the game? And so I look at cards like Baron and, and Cable, like you said, and it's like, I wish that that would be a two drop that people would choose to play when they're not playing Devil Dino or they're not playing things like that. It's just a card that's used to kind of mill and affect your opponent to a certain extent. I could see Baron being a 2-4. Like, I, I, you know, you have a really negative effect of the, the draw. It used to be even worse. They actually added the set the cost to six component to it recently, not recently, before the launch of the game. It was a, yeah. 
Well, it's like almost a year ago now that I think about it. It's not all that recent, is it, Molt? But I, I like that you called out Baron, too. And uh, ultimately, there are so many cards here that could get touched up. But I'm a yeah. huge... One thing they've been doing, Molt, is that they've been touching up cards that I didn't originally anticipate. They've been doing stuff mm. to cards that, like, making some improvements. And, uh, I mean, maybe Punisher gets some love. Who knows? But we do have Jean Grey coming out, which okay. might be a little bit of a Punisher card. But really, it's not. Punisher still sucks. But let's talk about <laughs> some of the best... Pool three cards to unlock in the game right now. First of all, it's just a discussion about what the best pool three cards are, but also it's a good opportunity for players that are relatively new to Marvel Snap and they have the opportunity to still unlock cards for free in the token shop to get an mm. opportunity to, well, do exactly that and unlock some cards. So, Molt, I'll have you kick us off. What are a card or two that you think are worth picking up for free in the token shop or just overall are the best Series 3 cards? So, we were just talking about her. I think Sarah is up there. Sarah unlocks an incredible amount of different combinations. I am the type of person who is always trying to catch my opponent off guard, and Sarah allows you to do that because most people think if you're playing Sarah, you're going to be doing very specific things. Nobody expected the combo that I used with Ghost Rider and Omega Red, and those are the types of doors that she opens. And besides that, she's just consistent with things like Shang-Chi and Sarah Control, just very, very good right off the top. A sneaky one that I've been playing more that I imagine you have probably been playing as well is Shadow King, um, especially in this meta with Hitmonkey and Kitty Pride. Depending on priority, you can frustrate the crap out of your opponent on final turn. And I used to think that it wasn't that good of a card, but that was before Kitty and Hitmonkey started getting to where they are. And so depending on if you're someone who likes to play Silver Surfer, things like that, it can fit within a Sarah control deck as well. Shadow King is a great card to play on a location and then play another card Say you're playing Kitty Pride, you play Shadow King, then you play Kitty Pride, pretty much giving you that location. So that's that's one that I've actually been enjoying playing lately. This is why Cozy and I love having you on the podcast because you bring out these massive curveballs that no one else would have. Shadow King <laughs> just got recommended as a pickup as a free three uh, three cost. Uh, Series 3. Awesome. I love it. I love that pick. And while we're here, I mean, we got to take a second to talk about Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer recently dropped down to Series 3. It unlocks Mm -hmm. a whole new archetype. Every single 3 drop that gets added to Marvel Snap, the question becomes... Does it work in Silver Surfer, <laughs> right? This is a card that you right. could basically unlock for free with like absolute confidence. It's one of my oh, favorite yeah. cards in the game. I I cannot stop playing Silver Surfer. Just like with you with Move, it, for me, it's Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer was the card that I got my first uh, infinite avatar with or whatever was a Sarah Surfer deck that had Shadow King in it. And Shadow King was one of the, the more impactful cards in the deck. So that's why I say that. And it's funny you mentioned if a three drop comes out, it's like, does it work with Silver Surfer? And, you know, same thing if a four drop comes out, it's like, oh, will this work with Zabu? Like, it's funny when there are cards like that that define an entire cost of, like, cards. So, yeah, Silver Surfer is, I would, I would totally agree with that pick. Now, one card that people talk about very often, and I want your take on this. Doctor Doom gets recommended very often. Do mm-hmm. you still feel that with the recent nerf to Doctor Doom, he's worth the free unlock? Uh, yeah, especially in relationship with another card that I imagine is on both of our lists, which is Wave. Yes. Uh, the Wave-Doom interaction is incredibly strong, um, especially if you're thinking ahead, like a good chess player should be doing. Oh, uh, then you can you can plan for that. You can lock things down with Storm. You can lock things down with Goose. And being able to add that four power behind it with Doom is really, really good. Doom is 100% on, on my list as well, uh, just for its spreadability. You know, not that much power in one location, 
but especially in relationship with with wave i feel like it's i mean it's it's up there it's pretty solid i hear that i, I respect that and uh wave's actually my number one like wave was the one that i've said to people like if you see wave you just snap it right up like it's just it's too good it activates too many different uh decks it has been forever relevant in the Marvel Snap meta, it's never been a card that's like, oh, I have Wave. That sucks. I can't play this card. It's always been a <laughs> right. card that has had a place in the meta. And like legitimately top tier decks over and over oh, yeah. and over again. I think Wave's an absolutely confident one. It's funny you said Sarah. Sarah was at the top of my list as well. But kind of staying at three cost here, there's a card that I think is being slept on, which I think mm. we kind of forget how impactful it is. And that's Mystique. Like Mystique feels like, too. yeah, it's on your list as well. Like, isn't it really just the ultimate combo enabler? Like if you see Mystique there, I think it's one of the ultimate pickups. Yeah, Mystique is incredibly strong in, again, the, versa the versatility and being able to catch your opponent off guard. One of my favorite uh, decks that I was playing recently was a bounce deck that had Iron Man in it, which was why Pig was so frustrating to me because Iron Man was my highest cost card. <laughs> um, and uh, just playing Iron Man on five and then Mystique on six with another three draw or kitty in a two drop like man it just opens the door you see it played with dark hawk you see it played with devil dino you see it played with patriot there's so many different scenarios that you can use it with i mean heck you could use it with claw and nobody's gonna freaking expect that and you're just gonna catch people off guard and that's what the game is about and i feel like that's when you can pat yourself on the shoulders when you do something super unique with cards like mystique it's it's really really fun yeah and we're gonna go through a couple more as well Bolt, I'm going to do two more and then I'll let you sauce a couple at us here. Uh, one that yep. I recommend for people that I think is becoming a little more valuable than one might expect is Magneto because it's it feels like one of the true six drops you can add anywhere still whereas with dr doom's nerf it feels like a little less of a just plug and play who cares yeah you don't have a your deck's not complete just throw doom in there it's fine and i feel like mm -hmm. magneto curves out that that top six drop uh, i mean it impacts multiple locations it's it's 12 power still uh your opponent yep. can't really account for it in something like a conquest they have to really respect it uh, listen i think magneto is still very strong uh, unlock for someone available in pool three yeah i definitely agree it, it works really well just in its own right as a final turn play also works great with lockjaw and decks like that being able to block stuff off but like you said it's very unpredictable but it's also unpredictable on both sides because you don't know what it's going to move which can be kind of frustrating because if you calculate for it moving a dark hawk or something like that like a lot of times you're not playing magneto to win with its power you're playing magneto to allow your other locations to win with the power that they have which is just great control, super fun. It's difficult when people are playing bounce decks because every location is going to be full. You're pretty much not going to be able to move the bishop or move any of that kind of stuff. But if you're playing Zabu decks, then Magneto can be incredibly clutch, pulling all of that power onto, say, the Devil Dino location or something like that. I think it unlocks a lot of cool potential and fun opportunities there. Absolutely. And uh, one of the last ones I'll throw at you here, then I'll give you the floor for a couple more is Electro. I mean, I love Electro. I always have. And I feel like the thing I love about Electro is that it unlocks a completely new archetype, the ramp stall archetype. Naturally, it really benefits from wave. But if you don't have wave and you just have the Electro, you can kind of cheat it a little bit with Jubilee to some extent. Not the same deck, but still, hey, we're trying. <laughs> but uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on Electro as an unlock? Because I do think it kind of provides uh, players in pool three with a, a newfound opportunity to experiment a little bit. Yeah, it definitely does. Electro isn't my personal play style with being somebody who likes to do a lot of stuff when I can. And Electro is limiting in that sense. But the strength of it is 
I mean, yeah, it unlocks some really, really good stuff, especially in correlation with Sandman. If you can play Sandman on turn four and completely screw up your opponent, especially in the meta that we're currently dealing with, with a lot of bounce and Sarah decks, it's incredibly strong in that regard. And it's just fun to do big things and pretty much have seven turns when your opponent only has six. Like being able to play Arnhem more frequently and, and things like that is just... It's, it's fun because you rarely ever get to play two six drops and Electro allows you to do that. And so if you're somebody who likes that heavy hitter, big power, like slow play, then Electro opens that door wide open and can generate a lot of cool combos for you. Awesome. Well, why don't you close us out with a, with a couple more off uh, your list here? Cool. So one of them I said in passing earlier would be Patriot. I think that Patriot is a very easy deck for people to kind of get their feet wet in regards to playing cards that affect other cards, like in your deck and whatnot. And it, it, it can just add lots of power. Obviously, most people see it in regards to Ultron. But like you were saying, if somebody picks up Silver Surfer, Patriot Surfer is really good too. You throw Brood in there, you throw a couple of other things, you have Wasp. Like you don't need too much to make Patriot be sneaky and valuable. If you can build a Patriot deck without letting people know that it's a Patriot deck at the same time, then like that's that's pretty solid. And there are ways to do that with say playing Bucky Barnes and getting out Winter Soldier or playing White Tiger. There's lots of different things that you can do that Patriot affects. And I think that it kind of opens the door to some cheap combinations that you can do in relation to cards like Silver Surfer and say even Sarah and stuff like that. And it works well with Mystique, too. So I agree. I mean, if you have Mystique, then I think Patriot has to be near the top of the list, right? Because, uh, I mean, Patriot's one of those cards, like especially for players who are still relatively new to the game, like they see Misty Knight, they see these others, they don't have High Evolutionary yet, and they're like, what do I do with this card? Why does Misty Knight suck so bad? It's like, well, right. it's because it can be played in a Patriot, right? And uh, it's funny, I still get comments to this day, people saying, I don't understand why Misty Knight sucks so bad. It's like, oh, yeah. you haven't unlocked Patriot yet, my friend. All right, well, close this out. Hit us with one more. All right, we're going to do one more, and it's going to be Death. Yeah, so Death is just an an absolutely incredible card if you're somebody who likes playing Destroy. Unlocks a lot of power, can be played in relation with Taskmaster as well if you're able to destroy and get her down to a 1 or a 0. And it's just always kind of a sneaky final turn play that people are expecting, but it's very intimidating to know that your opponent could have 12 power and if you don't have Shang-Chi or if you have priority and your Shang-Chi is not going to be effective, then it's just scary. And also, you can throw death inside of things like discard. And if you're going up against somebody who is playing a destroy deck, that you too are going to have that free 12 power um, that you are trying to bring down through Lockjaw or Hela, whatever it may be. And so I think death can be sneaky in its own right outside of death, outside of destroy decks as well, which is something that I think makes it like super strong and has a lot of potential to honestly mess up your opponent in the fact that they can give you a free death depending on what they're playing as well which is always good and if you're relatively new to the game and you're like you're pretty low in pool three fascinating there are fascinating decks that have like pool two cards like you can use like squirrel girl into killmonger and then you can like moon girl yep. and you can replicate these deaths for really cheap or even free at times right if you have saber tooths mm -hmm. and like th there's a lot you can do at relatively low collection levels with death i love that call out it's it's a card that kind of like lost some respect at the initial offset after of wave, the uh, yeah. yeah after the wave stuff but it's still damn relevant but regardless molt i want to say thank you so 
much for uh, for joining us today, for filling in for Cozy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always great entering the multiverse, as I like to say. <laughs> and uh, you, you got, I mean, it was just move season. You all know who Molt is, literally the master of move. And guess what? He's a master of Marvel Snap as a whole, guys. Definitely check him out. And with all that, guys, Alex, just always good, buddy. It's always fun having these conversations. I, I love it. This is my favorite time of the week, Cozy, to, to get sit down, talk Marvel Snap with you. It truly is an honor. All right, guys, remember, elephants suck apparently to Alex. And until the next one, happy snapping.